Let's talk about our democracy for a minute. But let's do it in a way that makes the snowflakes' heads explode. Let me be clear before this podcast begins. We are loud, loud proud, proud, and do not give a fuck. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast. Real and raw political and social commentary. The freedom to oppress the rights of other people is not liberty, you shit-eating moron. Ah, the smell of freedom of speech. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast, and this is Tony Michaels. Hey, Tony, fuck them. Welcome, everybody. This is the Tony Michaels. And this is Gabe Sanchez, and we've put together the best of the week from the Tony Michaels Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the best of the week. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's special coverage of the January 6th Select Public Hearings. We have a special hearing for you today. It was announced yesterday um, very, very, very abruptly that there would be a hearing today. We didn't we didn't think that we would actually have one of these hearings until sometime in July. Um, something has happened with evidence and this witness that we will uh, talk or see talk today. Uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, an aide to the former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows. She would be with Mark Meadows uh, in most of his duties right next to him, taking notes, uh, t- using um, the calendar to schedule meetings with him. And for some reason, we see new evidence uh, as one of the reasons why the January 6th Select Committee has has chosen to give us this urgent hearing that we were going to see today. Um, a lot of speculation about that. Some have said that uh, Cassidy Hutchinson has changed attorneys, switched attorneys, also has testified again to the Select Committee within the last 10 days. Some of the reports coming out about that. Um, also, also that there is threats on her, um, and we're going to get to the bottom of this with our commentary today. So welcome. My name is Tony Michaels. I am the host here of today's special hearing of the January 6th Select Committee. Uh, today is is going to be a bombshell, I think. I want to bring in my first guest to talk about um, switching lawyers and why this all seems important or why it should seem important. Let me go to Michael Popak. Uh, one of the hosts of Legal AF. Uh, Michael, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tony. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Tell tell me what you think about um, this situation where she has switched attorneys. Do you think that makes a big difference where she switched attorneys in the last few weeks? Um, and well, then it, it, it seems like it seems like she has testified within the last 10 days, gave an additional testimony on whatever new evidence that they found. What's your what's your thoughts on well, this? Well, well, let me frame it for people yeah. that are just joining. And then we'll get to the change in counsel, which I do believe um, had an impact on her now cooperating uh, closely with the Jan 6 committee. Um, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson is the proverbial fly on the wall that we'd all like to be on the West Wing. She was not only Mark Meadows' last um, executive assistant, she was the chief of staff, meaning she was in every room that he was in. She arranged every meeting and call that he was involved with. And particularly reporting has come out that in the last 30 days, including in the last week, she's given testimony about the following events, that she watched Mark Meadows, her boss, burn papers, which are uh, papers that needed to be preserved for record keeping in the National Archives, in his fireplace in his office, and especially after he met 
with um, a a congressman to discuss uh, Representative Scott Representative Scott Perry to discuss Jeff Clark being elevated to Attorney General. She also was involved with uh, arranging the trip and, uh, and accompanying Meadows in December to Georgia. Meadows was the advance team for the uh, cor- attempted corruption of the Georgia election by the Trump administration. He went first in December. Uh, last minute to meet with Cobb County officials. She was with him. She arranged that meeting. And this was all the lead up to the famous, infamous January 2nd phone call involving Trump. So she was there for that as a historical figure. She's also testified that she watched and listened to Trump in the dining room of the of the, um, of the the Oval Office, off the Oval Office with her boss, Mark Meadows, in which Mark Meadows talked about the chanting at the riot of the Jan 6 insurrection to hang Mike Pence and him basically, Trump saying basically, that's a good idea. So she heard that. Now to the Twitter verse that says, or to Congress people that don't like her testimony that says, well, she didn't really, uh, she's not a good witness for this because it's hearsay. It's not. Um, there's a hearsay exception. If you overhear somebody plotting a crime, that is what we call an admission against interest. That is a non-hearsay statement. She's completely qualified having heard it to testify about it. The reason why this is happening, I think, today is is uh, several fold. One, she had a always Trumper as her lawyer until about a month ago. She then retained a very competent and well-respected lawyer. His, his name is Joseph Hunt. He goes by Jody. Jody Hunt at Austin and Bird, a very conservative law firm. I know them well in the white collar department. What's his link to all of this? He was Jeff Sessions. Chief of Staff. So he knows what it means to be a chief of staff. We all know Jeff Sessions was no big fan of Donald Trump um, and was eventually exited from the Department of Justice by Donald Trump. And he was also, uh, Jody Hunt was also the chief of the Civil Rights Division for two years under under Trump. He's a quality guy. He is a um, sober and mature individual. And I am sure he convinced his client that the best strategy for her, especially with the Georgia grand jury out there, was to cooperate, cooperate, cooperate with the Jan 6 committee. And I think now Jody, in combination with the committee, has decided that she's in harm's way because she is such a critical witness, having given this testimony. They need to take her off the street. They need to bring her in. She's now willing, under Jody Hunt's guidance, to give live testimony, which is much more powerful than clips upon clips upon clips of her previous 40 hours of testimony. And that's the reason they're doing it. But that's not the only thing that's going on today, I don't think. I think they're going to couple it with the documentarian footage, which they've been pouring over over the last 30 days from Alex Holder, the British documentarian, who has uh, 11 hours of video of not only the Trumps, the kids in Jan 5, Jan 6, and Jan 7, but way back on September 29th, before the first debate with Biden. Why does that matter? Because Bannon and the Trumpers were already conspiring on tape, on record, as not going to respect the outcome of the election, to call it a fraud, and to throw it to the House in September. And and I think we're going to see some video clip from that as well. But even if we only see Cassidy Hutchinson as a preview for the early July hearings, I think the reason is changing counsel Got to get her off the street. Powerful testimony before the 4th of July break. I, I, I tend to agree about the footage part. Now, I'm not sure exactly if we'll see footage today, but it's some of the clips that we have um, 
you know, been released um, out there in the space, one with Trump, um, one with Pence, one with Ivanka Trump. It seems that maybe they will use her to corroborate what is happening inside that footage that we may view today um, as as sidebars. Like, was this happening here? Was this happening here? We see this here. So, I, you know, she is sup- supposedly um, a very close aide to Mark Meadows. So she would be standing with him in proximity of him and Donald she was Trump. The, the number one aide. She was right. chief of staff and his his right hand. Right. So so when when these conversations are happening in the room with Donald Trump and Mark Meadows about the election, um, she is right there with them, listening to their every word. And as we know, in politics in Washington and really any state house, the aides sometimes know more than the actual official themselves, just because um, they see all the background stuff, not just the foreground with the official or the elected official or appointed official. Um, they they, and they to, know and more. to your point, to your point, John Dean, he of White House fame and infamy, who went to jail as a White House counsel, but has now rehabilitated himself as a political commentator. He made the, the good point on his Twitter feed yesterday that said the only time there was an emergency hearing, uh, a surprise witness at Watergate was to have one of the aides come forward with the bombshell that Nixon was recording audio 24-7 in the White House. We all know that now, but there was actually a witness who came forward in an emergency hearing just like that to talk about it. I think that potentially Cassidy Hutchinson could be just as powerful, especially if it's combined with the secret footage of the documentarian that no one's ever seen before. I, I think I think uh, I think that's a good analysis of, of where they're going with this. Also, I think the reason why this is so urgent is because there's uh, been reports that there are a lot of threats on her life. Um, there seems to be uh, even more security um, today at some of these hearings. I guess that's some of the reports that there's even heavier security now uh, because of this witness. And I, I don't believe it's because of her. It's because of what she knows and what she can testify to is what they're terrified of. And I think that's why the security is ramped up. I think that's why they wanted to rush her to get her testimony before she changes her mind or someone else were to change her mind. Um, Do you think witness tampering is going to come into this at all? No, I think she's made the decision that um, having switched lawyers back to the switch of the lawyers, having gone with, with Jody Hunt, she has made the decision that it is in her best interest and she's in a perilous position because she could be um, prosecuted a part of the grand jury in Georgia for whatever her role was in setting up those things, or at least being a witness to all of it. She is trying to get herself out of harm's way. I don't believe that she's 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 succumbing to Trump acolytes calling her, tweeting against her. But there are crazies that are on the fringes of the right wing that I'm sure, having learned because it's been public in the last four months, in the last month that she's given at least four depositions and little, uh, there have been clips already released by the Jan 6 committee. So anybody like the Midas Mighty that are following this thing closely on the right wing know that she, you know, in their view, stepped out of bounds and is going against, uh, you know, their cult leader, Donald Trump. So I'm sure she has gotten a fair amount of terrible, terrible, violent, sexually violent things in addition sent to her that have concerned her. I think that's only going, me, I think that's only going to make her more courageous 
to step forward and do the right thing and say what she saw. She's a, she's a witness. She, you know, hopefully she didn't do many of the bad things that we've talked about already. Well, I, I appreciate your commentary, Popak, as always. Thank you for joining us. Um, and speaking of switching lawyers, because I think that's a big deal, I'm going to switch to another <laughs> lawyer here, um, your co-host, Ben Mizell. So thank you, Popak, for, for joining us. Thank you very much. Uh, ben, Ben, I want to bring you in here. Uh, ben, how are you? I'm doing good. I guess Popak didn't get the dress code memo, huh? No, well, uh, this, you know. This is Popak PI on vacation. Oh, oh uh, he's on vacation, I guess. But but you know, we we are we are we are giving commentary here. So what what do you make of this? What do you make of this, uh, Ben? About the switching lawyers and the rush the rush to to a hearing here because it really was yesterday. Uh, everyone was playing committee clue. It seemed like on Twitter and online. Who is it? Who's it going to be? Is it going to be this person? Is it going to be that person? And then we find out that it is a aid to the former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. And some people kind of felt like at first, womp, womp, womp. But as we start to dig in um, and as we start to look at who she is, what she would know, and then the events that's happened over the last few weeks, we begin. it becomes more clear why she may know some things that they're scared of. What do you make of all the switch and the urgency to rush to this hearing? Well, she definitely knows some things. Um, but what is frightening here um, is that it's obvious her life is being threatened. As the January 6th committee has increasingly proven to be successful, um, has been exposing Trump, Trumpism, MAGA for the fascist cult that it is, the same tactics that lead to mob violence on January 6th, that same mentality. When all the other tricks and chicanery fail, you threaten people's lives. That's what cults do. That's what MAGA does because it is a despicable, disgusting, fascist movement that people need to take seriously and the media needs to stop both sides. And we need to focus far less on whether Rudy Giuliani was tapped on the back, which the media has called an assault, which is complete bullshit. And we should focus on the fact that fascism is creeping into our country. And so what today is about, in my view, is that there is a legitimate fear that her life is on the line and they need her testimony immediately. And I know that sounds chilling and that may sound frightening to those listening, but that we know from prior testimony the threats to people's lives that are taking place. So that's one of the reasons with this specific witness, who, as Michael Popak explained, the previous guest before me, she switched lawyers from a MAGA cult lawyer to a lawyer who, by the way, the lawyer that now represents her, by all means, is what traditionally was viewed as a conservative lawyer. It's not a liberal lawyer or a left-leaning lawyer, even though to me and those who watch the Midas Touch podcast, to me, the term conservative has completely lost all meaning because of MAGA, but she's represented by a credible individual who doesn't want our country to be overtaken by fascism. And I think we're going to see two things you know, today. We're going to see her compelling testimony because through her, as Michael Popak said, she's a real fly on the wall. She was at every single Mark Meadows meeting, and she was the one taking notes for Mark Meadows 
as his senior aide in every meeting. You know, people on Capitol Hill who I've talked to say that Mark Meadows would refuse to be at a meeting, in fact, without Cassidy Hutchinson present at the meeting and taking notes for him. Cassidy Hutchinson's background, by the way, she interned for Ted Cruz. She interned for other, let me take, try to see who else she uh, interned for so I can get you um, some additional info about her. Steve Scalise. So this is no, uh, this is no liberal uh, person. Um, so her testimony is going to be incredibly credible. Everyone who knows Cassidy Hutchinson, who I've spoken to, say that she worked hard. She took notes. You know, at the end of the day, she was not going to break the law, um, which is why you're going to hear credible testimony. And here we really have someone. I mean, isn't it just so interesting that Cassidy Hutchinson, while all of these fascist MAGA men, you know, from uh, Mark Meadows, you know, to uh, Kevin McCarthy, to all these, you know, people who were involved are so chicken shit to tell the truth. You know, and here we have truly the epitome of democracy, the epitome of strength at Cassidy Hutchinson. So I'm excited to hear a testimony. And I think we're going to see the video uh, clips as well interspersed. So what the Jan 6 committee has done an incredible job at is telling the story, telling this narration, you know, and, and keeping the audience's interest. So we're going to get really embedded in these meetings through her narrative. And then I think we're going to see the clips that the John 6 committee has obtained. You know, that's something I took away from the last hearing that was a planned hearing, but it was the one that was postponed, is the narrative and the story that the witnesses told about the meeting where Donald Trump was trying to get Jeffrey Clark to be the AG, right? And may, and I think you're right that, that this hearing is going to tell that story of these meetings that we know have happened. We've heard these happening, but really I think the most obvious time period is what was happening during the siege on the Capitol. And she knows that because she was there. She was right there in the mix with Trump and Meadows. And I think that's the aim here to get to Trump's intent. Um, it, because if we know from someone who was standing there, what his intent was, I believe that's going to get to the heart of it. I agree with you. And look, I think Trump's intent in terms of how uh, federal prosecutors would view intent. Look, federal prosecutors have prosecuted people with far less evidence than what we have now um, with Donald Trump. But because it's a very unique situation where you have, and I always hate to even call him a president, but a former president who still has a substantial following of 25 to 30 percent of the United States are MAGA cult members who haven't been deprogrammed. You need to have the kind of the, the normal standards of criminal prosecution of having uh, beyond a reasonable doubt evidence. The standard has to be like beyond a reasonable doubt times 10, I think, is what the Jan 6 committee is trying to show Merrick Garland here, um, because they, while there shouldn't be political considerations, you know, I, of course, inevitably, it's a very unique situation where you have, you know, a president that's uh, engaged in a coup in search of legal theories, as a federal district court judge in California said. So there's a very unique situation. But, 
you know, I think today we're going to hear some powerful bombshell testimony. I think today is going to be the most memorable day yet. Ben, I want to bring in someone who's actually um, (laughs) worked against Trump in the courts um, and she's beat him in the courts with some of his uh, NDAs and she's still working hard to beat him. I want to I want to bring in Jessica Denson here. Um, Jessica, what do you make of of this this I, I just want to say it this woman out front and here we are we we had women um that testified before but not not a woman inside the circle of trump yet this is the first woman inside the circle of trump and it appears that uh she's going to drop bombs um on trump and the truth really what do you make of her testimony and the urgency having having know how this the Trump circle kind of works. Yeah, um, I, I w- I'm going to get back to your answer, and I want to pick up on two threads that Ben mentioned. The first is obviously what we left off off with last week were these very powerful hearings, and then that momentum, as we all know, got truncated by this horrific news from the Supreme Court. And I just want to, whether it is sheer coincidence, whether it is the the fact of these witnesses needing to come forward right now in this new information, or just the dexterity and talent of this committee, I really want to commend them for keeping this narrative of Trump's transgressions top of mind for the American public, because we have we have a fascist threat on two fronts. We have a fascist threat in our elected officials that are, have created this illegitimate Supreme Court and are forcing these draconian policies on the American people, pushing us back decades, if not centuries. And then we have the threat of impunity for fascists, impunity for wannabe dictators. And neither one of them is any less threatening to our future as a free people. So I am so grateful to be here with you today talking about this January 6th committee in what was supposed to be a break, what is presumably a holiday or the beginning of a holiday for many. I'm so grateful that we are focused again on this urgent threat to our future as a free world. Um, On that thread of women, I think it's another beautiful coincidence. I mean, here we are again. Just last week, we had these two extraordinary, brave women coming forward, sharing their very personal experiences, real experiences of being threatened by this fascism, threatened by these lies and this terrorism of this former president followed up by this assault on women's rights, assault on women's autonomy, on women's very identity as a human being and not not as some property for man in society. And then we come forward into this week with, as you said, Tony, the first woman in this Trump orbit, in the Trump orbit to come forward for a live in-person testimony. And I do not think that is a coincidence. I think it's, it's very telling about, um, you know, I love men, but (laughs) women, let's just be honest, are the highest species. And there's something about women that has that, about women that, that enables us to have that quality to come forward, whether it is to admit that we were wrong or to have that courage to confront evil. And so, um, I'm, I'm really interested to see what this young woman, and, and think about this, this is a very young woman. She, she did have a pretty high up position in the Trump administration, but as Ben was saying, she was an intern before this in, in, in office. She did not, um, I think she's in her mid-20s at best. So this is, this is 
a lot of weight on her, a lot of pressure on her. When I came forward, I'm a very independent person, and I know that. I know that what I did is not something that most people feel the freedom and the independence in the context of their careers and, you know, the other social and political pressures to do. I understand that. And this woman, with all of those considerations that, you know, her future, her career is the first woman from inside the Trump orbit, as you were saying, with all of these other men refusing to come forward to step foot live into that hearing room and tell the American people what she knows. Nothing to lose sight of. I think I think I think you're absolutely correct. And and, and the thing I think you're correct about is that women are way better than men. That's what I I, I think that's, <laughs> that's the part you're absolutely correct about. Ben, what what do you make of this being the very first? And, and I I know it's it 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 seems like it may be obvious, but I think it's important that this is the very first woman inside the Trump orbit because we we saw the election worker and her mother and in the testimony about the grandmother in those those women's testimony. Uh, in front of the uh, the select committee, but they weren't inside the Trump orbit. They were the victim of the people inside the Trump orbit. But now we see the first the first woman stepping forward in the hearing and being questioned and giving her testimony. Um, what what do, what do you make of that? Do you think that's significant? I think it's significant, but I think it's obvious the men in the Trump orbit are chicken shit. That whole fascism that they have is all whining and playing the victim. And that's what we see repeatedly with Trump. They're coming after me. No, this is about democracy at the end of the day. This is not a partisan issue. And so it doesn't surprise me that it is a woman who happened to be in the Trump orbit just because she interned and she was pursuing a career that led her to be in that place, but who saw it and called it out. The same way Jessica called it out. It, it's not a, it's not a surprise that the common strain here is that it's women who are calling it out. These Trump men are not real men. These are disgusting people who try to project the machismo, but they're really pieces of shit. And I created this media company, Midas Media Network, so I can say stuff like that that you can't necessarily say on CNN or on the other networks. But that's what we talk about here. That's why they have the Trump flags with the six pack, you know, where he's got the six pack abs because they want to make themselves feel like men because they are the lowest form of of. of Freaking people. These are traitors to the country. And we're going to see a powerful woman stand up for our democracy today. Well, I, I'm I'm excited uh, to to get to her testimony. I, I'm very excited to hear exactly what she has to say. Um, but I think more than anything, she's going to be very believable. Uh, I, I, Jessica, you've you've watched as some of her testimony in, in tapes behind closed doors has been played in some of these hearings already. I, I think she's very believable. She's very authentic. You see her sitting on the couch in some of those clips, and she's just like last week when she was talking about the pardon. She was going on, and and it, the the best part was is her authenticity towards Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, no, I didn't really want to talk to her much, anyways. I think she's going to come off as authentic. Just seeing what we've what we've noticed in the clips. What's your what's your take on if she's going to? I think most women do come off as authentic. Um, but what what do you think uh, will be the authenticity? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I from my very limited read, I I do not know her. Um, she seems like I think the most 
obvious thing about Cassidy Hutchinson is you're going to be able to tell she has no agenda. She is just as you were, as we were describing her, she is the one who was in the room. Um, it's just, it's going to be just a very direct testimony that is unfiltered and untainted. Um, and yeah, I, I, um, I think that's what, that's what we can expect. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, Ben, for sticking around with Jessica. And Jessica, thank you for joining us and giving us the insight, not just from a woman's perspective, but from a perspective that has fought the Trump uh, orbit. And, Is it just uh, me or did Ben get some color in Texas? Uh, he must have. He must have been out there walking, <laughs> walking them streets, knocking on doors, gave him some some sun there. Do you, <laughs> do you have a response, Ben? Do you have a rebuttal? I want to say this. Yeah, I did get some color. But see, that's one of the benefits that you get. So all the people watching this right now, you got to walk the walk as well, in addition to talk the talk. You know, I flew down to Dallas. I was knocking on doors for Beto. And I encourage everybody to get involved, whether it's writing postcards, knocking on doors, spreading the Midas Touch videos. And everybody, make sure you're subscribed to the Midas Touch YouTube channel now. We're the fastest growing independent media company in the world, and we're unapologetically pro-democracy. So subscribe now and make sure you get out there and get out the message to all your friends and family. Also, I can't I can't forget your your brother Jordy is uh, making me do a commercial here for the uh, 10% off the Convict or Convict 45 enamel pens union made in the USA. Go to store.mindustouch.com, promo code justice. Jordy only has a few of these things left over there, so get them why, while supplies last, just go to store.minustouch.com. Use the promo code justice for 10% off all merch. Go over there and get a Convict 45 or Convict 45, whichever way you look at it. Uh, grab grab your union-made enamel pen. Thank you, Jessica, and thank you, Ben, for joining us. Uh, speaking of Texas, I'm going to go to Texas Paul here. Um, we, we got Texas Paul on the line. I think he's ready here. He was having a little bit of audio issues earlier, but I think he's good now. Texas Paul, how are you? I'm doing great. How do I sound? Oh, you sound fantastic. You sound fantastic. It's a, it's good, a, good. it's great to see you. I know Ben was just talking about your home state and Beto and getting out and working hard uh, to knock the doors. You were at some of these events. Um, if people go to some of these pictures that the Midas Mighty have been posting, I can see the cowboy hat in several of them. So let's let's first start <laughs> off. I, I want to. I want to say thank you to the Midas Mighty and thank you to you for showing up and, and getting out there and participating. Uh, just as Ben said, it's very important that we participate in our democracy, not just talk about it. So, Those are the most wonderful people. I got to spend three, four hours with them after they had been out block walking all day. And, and I, I, I was driving, uh, trying to get there. Um, I live, you know, Texas, everything's hours away from everything. And they had been out block walking all day in, you know, 100 degree heat and got together and were the liveliest, most wonderful people. I got to meet some of the best people. I swear to God, it was more fun than a barrel of monkeys, man. I'm telling you, it really was. I mean, they, and and you talk about dedicated and fired up and 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 ready to go i mean everybody was just like a, i mean it was there was no working for conversation man they were just chatterboxes you know we're doing this and we're doing that and the next event is on this day and then I mean, oh my gosh they, all the pictures people. they were posting i think they said they knocked on like 1100 doors and they wrote 200 letters i mean that 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 
that's a lot of people to touch. And if everyone does their part out there and, and, you know, really uses their talent, I think we can, we can really um, touch as many people as possible and engage in our democracy. Speaking of engaging in our democracy, um, Paul, I think that's what we're going to see today from this witness. She's engaging in her democracy. She saw what was happening. She knows exactly what was said about our democracy and how these people were trying to tear it down. And I think today we're going to hear her really torch these folks. Um, Give it to us in your words, though. I know everyone loves the Texas Paul touch here. Tell us what you think this witness is going to do to these Moglodites today. Well, you know, first I'm going to start with Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows is the biggest piece of shit there is on the planet. You know, Hillary Clinton sat under oath for 11 hours, answered every question. Mark Meadows is throwing Cassidy Hudson under the bus. I mean, just throwing her right under the bus. He knows damn well what Maga is going to do to her. He knows that she has been loyal. She's she's She has been straight up Maga. I mean, look at that. She worked for Ted Cruz. She worked for... This is not a left-winger here, folks. This is somebody that grew up in the conservative movement, you know, was her dream to work in this White House, and they are throwing her under the bus because they are weakling, sorry pieces of garbage, and there's just no other way to put it. She is going... And she's going to sit there under oath. She's got a good lawyer. She's going to tell... Everything that happened, and Mark Meadows could have done this. Mark Meadows could have spared her this, 100%. You know, she she would have not had the death threats. She, her family wouldn't have to put up the death threats. I mean, they're going to make her life living hell because Mark Meadows is the biggest, I, I won't use the P word because the ladies get mad at me, but you know exactly what I'm thinking. Well, I, I think I think um, the word that they used that Trump called Pence was wimp. I think that's what you're what you're getting. Yeah, we'll at go there. with wimp. We'll go yeah, with wimp. Okay. Wimp. Not um, strong enough, but we'll go with it. Right, right, right. I I, I appreciate the uh, the strong language. You know, I I like to use uh, strong language, and I think we are going to see today her testify to the strong language of these morons in this room during the siege on the Capitol of what their language was. We already know that there's reports of her witnessing Trump cheering that they were talking about hanging. And I'm talking about uh, the army of, of morons that he, you know, sent to our Capitol to take away our democracy. I believe that um, you're going to see her describe in a lot of words exactly how the president of the United States was cheering that his supporters were chanting hang Mike Pence uh, in that moment because he was terrified that Mike Pence wouldn't do what he wanted him to do, which he knew was illegal. Everyone knew was illegal. I mean, even, even last, the last hearing we, we heard from uh, Rosen and Donahue, the acting attorney general and deputy attorney general who was in the room, Stephen Engel, even who was in the room as Donald Trump was trying his damnedest to find anyone, even if he had to make Jeffrey Clark, this buffoon, the attorney general. Um, But I think we're going to hear more about those meetings today and what the details were. And I don't think she's going to hold back at all. Uh, She may just go all Texas Paul on the hearing room today. I don't know. She is going to tell us everything. She was in the room for, I would probably guess 98% of the meetings that they had. And, you know, because it's, it's, it's a well-known 
you know, fact that Mark Meadows did not want to step into a meeting without her being there. She was his memory, his, 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 I mean, his record. She's going to sit down and she's going to tell it all. And that's why I have to tell you, it pisses me off so damn bad. We Democrats don't do this. We don't throw our freaking staff under the bus. We stand up and say, we did this. And we believed we, we did this because we believed it was the right thing to do. If you're sitting there declaring the fifth freaking amendment or trying to hide behind, hide behind presidential privilege that does not exist in a crime, there's no such thing as presidential privilege in the commission of a crime. So Mark Meadows is sitting there like the biggest piece of shit that he is and throwing Cassidy Hutchison under the bus because he's too damn scared to face the MAGA freaks that are out there. That, that I mean, bottom line, that is it. There is no other reason he could possibly give because he's not spared from incrimination. Everything Hutchinson said is what he is going to say. There is no reason other than he is a complete and utter coward. Well, I appreciate your commentary, uh, Paul, and and I, I, I know everyone appreciates that you don't hold back. Uh, thank you for joining us here today. Stick around because I know you, you'll you be able to give commentary, hopefully in the middle, if we have a break and then at the very end. Now, thank you, Texas Paul. Yes. Can I add one thing? Um, yes, go ahead. Mid- the Midas Mighty down in that gathering, it came out that the Midas Mighty down here in Texas have knocked on any door on, on more doors for Beto than any other organization out there. They have, they have knocked on more doors than anyone else. They are badass to the extreme. And I'll tell you what, t- Tony, yes. we're not that far. You need to come down and party with these people. Oh, okay. They yeah, are sure. fun people, man. I'm telling you, all day long, out in 100-degree heat, they got together, and, man, we were uh, – you just got to ask Ben about it. It was a blast. And Jordy. Jordy had a good time. Jordy well, had a good time. I, I, I appreciate I appreciate everyone down there in Texas working hard to save our democracy. Um, I want to go to another Midas Mighty. Thank you, Paul, for joining us. I want to go to another Midas Mighty favorite, uh, Karen Agnipolo from Legal AF. Um, Karen, uh, how are you today? Let's see. Let's get there. We go. Hey, Karen, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm doing fantastic. What do you make of this witness and all the drama that has led up to this in the last? you know, 16 hours, 18 <laughs> hours or so as I, I think, um, cause I think we even were texting back and forth. Like, who is this person? Who is this witness going to be? Then we've, uh, again, like I told Ben earlier, we found out it kind of felt underwhelming at first, but then once you dive into it and you get into who she is, what she knows, and then the circumstances over the last few weeks, um, from a prosecutor standpoint, cause that's really what I want to get from you from a prosecutor standpoint, what do, what do you think this means? I mean, is this significant that she's coming forward and the committee is rushing to hear her testimony in public? Yeah. So, you know, I, I can't help but I, I can't help but have the song from Hamilton. Did you watch Do you ever see Hamilton, the, the Broadway show? I, 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 have, I can't help I but, have. 
Okay, well, I can't get the song out of my head. You know, she was in the room where it happened, you know, because <laughs> boy, was she in the room where it happened. And that that is sort of who she is. You know, uh, Michael Popak said it perfectly. She's the proverbial fly on the wall. And so what was very interesting about this emergency surprise hearing, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, I, I think there's still going to be a lot of surprises because don't forget, she has testified already on what, four depositions. So it's not like she hasn't been before the committee and it's not like we haven't heard from her from the committee. So what's new? What's the emergency? Well, what's the surprise? What is she going to come up with that she hasn't come up with before or said before? That's what I think is going to be very interesting about today's hearing. It, you know, it can't just be, well, live testimony is more powerful than, um, than taped testimony, because again, they would have known that already and planned for that already. There's something has happened and it could be that she's had threats. That's one possibility. And so she wants to get her statement out there uh, now. Um, it also could be that she sees the writing on the wall, which is, you know, the Department of Justice, I think is doing, you know, is clearly doing an investigation and, and this sort of circle is tightening. Right. You know, we, we saw the, the warrant being served on John Eastman uh, in that video. And we obviously heard about it uh, in his filing that he that he filed. You know, we wouldn't have known about this, about John Eastman, for example, had he not brought it to our attention because law enforcement didn't say anything about it. So for all we know, law enforcement is circling in on Mark Meadows or Cassidy Hutchinson, or we just don't know. And it's very clear to me that the Department of Justice is watching these hearings and ramping up their investigation based on partly things that are coming out at the hearing, you know, because it's, they're not waiting. They are serving subpoenas. Um, they're, they're serving warrants. You know, the Eastman was a warrant. And I just found that, that very interesting because in a lot of white collar investigations, what, what the FBI and the department of justice will sometimes do is allow people to, um, like they could have subpoenaed his phone, right. And they could have had let him turn it over, but no, they did the surprise. We're going to show up with a warrant and put your hands on top of your head and take your phone because we're worried that you're going to destroy information. And again, they are, that means to me, they are intensely, intensely investigating this case and it's heating up. And so I think that's what's coming, what, what this is related to. I think that, that the, the, the circle of prosecution is tightening around the Trump inner circle and she has information and she doesn't want to go to prison. I mean, she, I think, is a true believer and was a true believer, but not to the point of going, you know, going to going to prison uh, for the on their so, behalf. And I think that's where it's where it's heading. So let me ask you real quick with the, with one one more question to that aim is, do you think that. Um, possibly Cassidy Hutchinson thinks, hey, maybe I have, or this new attorney has said, hey, you might have some criminal liability here if you are not, and, and maybe protecting herself in a way of saying, hey, I, I cooperated, I cooperated to the fullest extent, if she would ever see that criminal liability in a court somewhere. Do you think that's part of it, or do you just think um, that she doesn't want anything to do with a criminal prosecution at all, whether she's the the target or a witness. I mean, obviously, she's going to be a witness here, but 
What, 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 what do you say to that? Look, nobody wants to be part of a criminal prosecution. Nobody, nobody wants to be a witness and be cross-examined and go through that. Whether you like, you know, whether whether you you like the person or or dis- dislike the person, it's it's not a fun experience. I'm sure she doesn't want to, but you know, the criminal justice system doesn't work that way. You, if you have evidence in a case and uh, they know you have evidence in a case, you have no choice but to testify. Of course, you can take the fifth. Um, you know, but that's sort of um, you know, that, that's neither here nor there. I think she, uh, I think she potentially, uh, well, for sure, we know she's a witness, right? For sure. She saw people burning, you know, um, burning, you know, documents, um, the whole, you know, hang Mike Pence and Trump saying that's a good idea, you know, the chanting. I mean, you know, all, all of that is clearly she's a witness, right? And so she has information. Whether she could potentially be prosecuted herself, I don't know. And that'll be interesting to see. Um, but I'm, like I said, I'm just curious, what's the emergency? What's the new information that, right. that r- required to be called for a new hearing? Because they've heard from her at least four times. So something has happened from the time that she's testified to today. And it's going, and, and I don't know what that is. It could be that she's had a change of heart and, you know, she has information that she was scared to give before or didn't want to give before. And now she does. It could be that the prosecution's heating up and it's gotten close to her. It could be these threats, you know, and she's, she's just sort of needs to get her statement out there. It could be that, you know, she's had a complete change of heart and she suddenly wants to do the right thing. I have no idea, but something has happened between then and now. And I think that's going to be what the bombshell is that at least I'm looking forward to to seeing today because it's a pretty big deal. Well, thank you, Karen, for joining us. I appreciate it. I want to go to the thank you for joining us, as always. And if you can stick around, um, we'd love to hear uh, if we get uh, time in the middle or at the end, what some of your analysis of her testimony is. Thank you, Karen, for joining us. I want to bring in the the politics of this all, though, because we've heard from a few attorneys here about the the legal aspect. I want to bring in some folks that know about the politics, uh, some political strategists here. Uh, David Bender and one of my favorite political strategists. Sorry, David. Um, Dr. Rachel Bittekoffer. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Sorry, David. I I I. I, I love you to death, but Rachel is is my favorite political strategist. She knows she knows from. Um... I, I, I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think he wins the hat race, though. Well, 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 well. Thank you for that. And Rachel, I defer to you. As I understand it, uh, this witness was one of your students. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know what's sad is I'm really bad with names. So it never registered to me. I follow the day to day on the, on the, um, you know, investigation. And so I knew that I had read, you know, a a witness, Cassidy Hutchinson had changed her legal team away and, and, and divested her legal representation away from the Trump world. And (laughs) so, uh, but, but then it was when we had the last hearing and they showed the video and I, I was, I looked at the screen and I was like, Oh, Oh, that's my student. And, 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 and that was rushing back. I mean, it's so it's such an unfortunate thing because this kid was very she's very bright. She was in my quant class 
And, um, you know, she she was obviously well connected because she told me she was graduating and going to work um, in Steve Scalise's office, which is, of course, you know, at that he's he's he was he's in the Republican leadership. So that's a very prestigious posting for a fresh out of college student. So generally speaking, when my better connected students are going off into Trump world. I always gave them sage advice, which was, you know, don't commit any crimes. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 let's, let's uh, just for uh, information. And I think uh, people didn't know, I didn't know this was, uh, you were teaching Christopher Newport university in Virginia. And this is where she graduated. And she's very, still very young. This is 2018. Yes, guys. Yes. I mean, I'm so I'm actually a little glad to, to like I don't know her. I mean, she was a student in my class. We got along. I connected and mentored many young conservatives, uh, which is kind of funny because, you know, the university pushes me out. Um, but, you know, I was I was a good mentor to the young Republicans, because let me tell you, like, that's the future if we win. Right? Like, yeah. we, have to, we can't just blow up. We must fix, right? And so I always like to make good relationships with my conservative students and try to steer them a little bit away from the radicalism that's, you know, the other side of, of youth, cons- the youth conservative movement, the Turning Point USA well, side is, is well, radical as fuck. Well, you're you know? the most so, important person now today in anyone doing analysis before she speaks because you know her. Yeah. And, and in saying that, here she is doing, she did it for 20 hours in four depositions. She's done the right thing. Yeah. She stood up against what must be a tremendous amount of pressure. This is no doubt. I'm so glad that you're saying that because it's coming from someone else and not just me. Like, I want people to understand what put yourself in the shoes of a kid fresh out of out of out of college. Right. You're 22, 23 years old. You're getting on you're on this promotion like um, locomotive, too, because the Trump Trump world was weird like that. I mean, because nobody really nobody wanted to go to jail. (laughs) So they so like you could move that ladder up really fucking quick, you know, and And she stayed longer than most. I mean, because Mark Meadows was there for longer than five minutes, she was she was his right hand. Yeah, for yeah. A, I mean, a, long, a relatively long period of time in Trump world, which is more than a week. You guys all see saw her care. I don't have to actually attest to her character because I think everyone saw it in that deposition they aired last time when they asked her oh. about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she <laughs> the look on her face was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't talk to tomorrow. I don't talk to her." <laughs> exactly, exactly right. But we didn't know. We didn't know until late last night. Uh, and they did do a close hold. And I think it, it, one can reasonably assess that the close hold is not only because of what she's going to say, but because the pressure on her, if this was two weeks from now, yeah. would be tremendous not to do it. And they'd start savaging her reputation. Yes. Saying that she, you know, all of the things that one can say to marginalize a witness and particularly a young woman, yeah. believe me, they would do it. And so getting her out there quickly makes a lot of sense. They had to bring members of Congress back from recess. I mean, uh, Adam Schiff flying cross country, Liz Cheney flying cross country. There's a reason they did this this quickly. They didn't want to use this moment. Yeah, there's some, I mean, it's got to be good. (laughs) That's what I figure like. 
You know, I mean, this, the committee, the, if the committee had been run differently and like it was run in so many ways, our democratic stuff is run without like a media strategy. That That's not the case here. There's been a very competent, very effective media comms component of this. And so you just know the committee understands expectations, <laughs> you know, and uh, they knew that to, to call an emergency session 24 hours away, not later in the week, but right away was going to raise expectations, both about who the witness was, right? And I think it was good to get out who it was because expectations on that, the speculation was causing expectations to get even my own expectations to get very high, you know? All, all so. of us, sure. <laughs> but, but I think it's important to lower those expectations and to realize that what may be happening here is not so much anything new, and it's possible, but that if we're thinking about the reality of this young woman, this fresh out of college, essentially, she's had yeah. two jobs, she had Scalise, then she went to Ted Cruz. Think of think of that. But she was uh, her her life in the world is really relatively brief as an adult. She's still a, yep. a very young woman who is about to go on the national stage, oh. and you know what that's going to do. And I feel for her. I, me I too. really do. It oh, concerns gosh, me, me too. greatly, and I think the committee. Uh, understood. There must have been negotiations. Uh, it, tell me, it, Rachel, uh, Tony, if you heard what I heard in the voice off camera when she's doing the deposition, it's a woman talking. I think it's Liz Cheney asking her those questions. I I felt the same way. Yes, I think it was Liz Cheney uh, off when, when when they're talking about the pardons and she's sitting on the couch. It sounded like it sounded like Darth Vader Jr. I, I mean, Liz Cheney to me, uh, you know, like I call her Darth Vader Jr. Um, but I, I do I do believe that it was Liz Cheney. I think that's very important. Um, and I think that was sending signals because let's talk about the politics of this of what could be the political ramifications of today, because we watched and Rachel, you can confirm or deny this for me, but the, the generic ballot is moving and it seems like it's moving in the correct direction for democracy here. Um, it is a slight movement and it's slow, but it seems like people are finally picking up on what has happened, what these people tried to do to our democracy and why it's so important. It's so important to engage and know exactly the facts and act on those facts. Tell us about the politics. I'll start with Rachel. Tell me about the politics of this and what it means today in in the political body of the country. I mean, we're, we're really a tale of two cities here. We're in a world that's well known where fundamentals in party and out party fundamentals predict election outcomes. And when you couple them with shit, shit economic indicators <laughs> like recession and inflation, high gas. Yeah, you know, it's not good, right? But we've got these two intervening variables. I mean, it takes something titanic to be an intervening variable. The court curtailing row would not have been a good enough. It would take a full evisceration. And that's why I know Mitch McConnell's like, damn, wish we would have caught that car next year, not this year. Right. So, um, you know, we're really talking about, we don't, we don't know. And, 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 and we, we want to see data. You referred to the generic ballot. We don't know if that's moving yet. We we think we might see movement, but we don't actually know. We won't know until we look at the aggregated generics in a few days. We should start to see the movement, though. Rachel, did you see a Marist poll that came out 
uh, no. Cole? I saw no. it yesterday, and, and I, I'd like to see it. It was sent to me, and I want to see if it's accurate. It was a Marist NBC poll that showed the generic flipping 12 points uh, in, in terms of a Democratic advantage now of seven and having been down five in the last Marist poll head-to-head. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't love Marist either, but still. Well, no, I mean, it's not even that. I mean, it's like, I don't love any single indicator. You know what right. I mean? Like, so right. like, you know, so well, no, I mean, we're going to know, guys. And I know we want to know now because we're Americans and we're used to knowing shit before it happens, right? But the fact is we can't know until the data gets fielded and collected and comes from a, what you're seeing right now are going to be the online panels, the large Larger panel studies are going to start to come out and we just, we need to give it a week and we'll have a better sense of the data. But I don't, I try not to look at any one indicator like that, especially for something we're talking about. The generic ballot to, to, to put this frame of reference, we, we started in the fall talking and bitching about internal party fighting about build back better and sausage making. It was just a shitty media environment. And then it switched to Ukraine and, and then the GM6 shit. And the generic ballot has never moved through any of it. Nothing until this Roe thing. If it does move, it's predominantly coming from Roe. Exactly. That doesn't mean that the GM6 shit isn't important. It is because it's going to give us the ability to take these top line, like, you know, the, 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 the whole contextual story and give it a compelling you know, narration to the to the voting electorate using this material. But at the end of the day, well, if we're going to see stuff, it's going to be because of Roe. Tell me if you agree with this. And Tony and I have been talking about this offline a good bit. On Friday, it occurred to me that we finally have proof of what Donald Trump did, not just through January 6th and, and trying to overthrow the Constitution. He is undermining the Constitution with three appointments to the Supreme Court. That's his legacy. And the hashtag that came to me was Trump court. That's what it is now. And people like Lawrence Tribe and Norm Eisen and others have been putting that forward in the world. But tell me if you agree, uh, Rachel, that, that connecting up the anger that people feel about this court and not only what it's done, but what it said it's going to do yep. with all the other cases on the docket 23-24. <clears throat> 2223 next year isn't trump court the essence of focusing people's anger on this man not just for january 6th but for what he is doing to the constitution and the country yeah i mean it, it can be uh, what you'd have to you'd have to check around like do some, <laughs> do some testing on that i mean here's my problem with trump instead of Republican is like, they don't, what we want to be doing is they want to be branding the whole party as Trump. So I, you know, the problem when you, when you rely exclusively on a past president as your brander, you're giving up some of that power and where their power is the most significant against us is that broad brush, right? It's all of us. We're all groomers. There's no such thing as a moderate Democrat. They're all, rabid breathing, you know, foaming socialists that want to steal all your shit. Right. So like if we, if we brand everything Trump, then Trump becomes a, a, like a a cancerous cell in an otherwise healthy party. Mm -hmm. And that's, not what we have. Right. Right. We're taking it Trump's in the short term. Connell's fucking magic. In right? the short term, though, in the short term, 
there is a goal here. And there's a goal that we're trying to create a climate in which 60 plus percent of the country think, and right now it's moving in that direction, it's not there yet, think that this man should be indicted. And as I say, justice is blind, but this is how justice is blind. Justice <laughs> will peer through her fingers and Merrick Garland is the one peering through those fingers. So if he sees that uh, Trump is associated not just with what we're going to see in this committee and what we're going to see in the evidence, but what mm. he did, and people are really genuinely angry about that, that's going to create a climate. In the short term, there's a consequence, not even the election in November, in getting those indictments. And one of the things we've heard so many times is that the politics of doing indictments against this former president will divide the country. And the argument I make is that if the country is not divided, if it's 60 to 65% in favor of it, that makes it a lot easier. It, well, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, what, what should matter to Merrick Garland is this stark and harsh reality. Life is brutish, nasty, and short, Merrick. Okay, And here's your two options. You can either indict a former president and deal with the political fallout that that is no doubt going to create, or you can just allow the rule of law to die in America and allow the Constitution to die. So, like, you know, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough decision, but the only thing worse than prosecuting Trump and the rest of the coup plotters is not doing exactly. it. You cannot have a 100%. stable functioning democracy after that so he really to me doesn't have a lot of choice and I, and he seems like a guy that's going to get that but i'll never trust anyone again after robert Mueller. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair point and that's again why making this as broad-based as possible creating a popular consensus that this is the right thing to do that's what the committee's job is and anything that can be done to help it that's why i think Keeping the pressure on Trump in the short term, in this next three to four months, is crucial. Long before we get to November, mm -hmm. now's the time. And, and and am I correct? I'm seeing people gathering. Have they have they started to walk in yet? Yes, they they, they haven't brought the witness in. Yeah. I, I I think that there's been a lot of extra security at the hearing today. Uh, the report. So we may be just a few minutes over here because mm -hmm. of some of these. Uh, <clears throat> It looks like they're photographing now, so it looks like the witness is going to enter. Oh, no, there's there is there's like yep. 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 It's 10.01. Uh, he's, he's running late. The select We're committee to investigate the, the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol will be in order. Pursuant to the order of the committee of today, the chair declares the committee in recess for a period of approximately 10 minutes. So there you have it, the hearing with uh, huge bombshells here as we watch the witness, Cassidy Hutchinson, leave the room uh, with security in tow. Uh, Benny Thompson does not, does not look thrilled about the evidence that has been presented because it was a threat to our democracy. I want to bring in our panel. Uh, you hear clapping in the room now. I want to bring in our panel real quick because we don't have a lot of time. I want to give everyone a chance. Uh, so give me just a minute as I bring in everyone here. Um, we have a big panel here. Uh, everybody, holy actual fuck. This is shit. Crazy. Yes. Um, so I, I want to I go to, uh, let's start at the bottom at Rachel Bittekoffer. 
Rachel, uh, if you'll unmute your mic and tell us exactly what you what you saw there. And, um, again, let's let's keep it short so everyone has a chance to speak. But go ahead. Yeah, I'll keep it real short. Woo! And I'm very proud of Cassidy Hutchinson for coming and telling us the truth today. I think we're getting the actual whole truth and nothing but the truth from her. And damn, look at this. Like Trump is a physical abuser. <laughs> and that's that's just a crazy spin that I didn't see coming. Somebody else go. Go ahead. Go ahead, uh, David, if you want. Yes, this reminds me. Uh, and again, going back in, in memory to John Dean. Her, her precision, the fact that she remembers every detail and can do it without looking at notes. She can tell you where she was, that the door was pulled shut when, and it'll be very interesting to find out who uh, Meadows was talking to that she couldn't hear while Trump was still speaking. But the, the precision of her testimony reminded me of John Dean. And let's be clear, John Dean was the linchpin to bringing down Richard Nixon. This yep. was an important, incredible day. Uh, Karen Agnivolo, let's go to you. Um, I know you probably have uh, a lot of notes there um, for what you want to say, but give us give us in a quick synopsis what you thought of some of this testimony of uh, the President of the United States being, I, I don't know, the baby in chief. This is um, this is crazy stuff. Yeah. So. I still don't understand. So I still don't understand what's new because so much of what she testified to was also, they would keep going back and forth between the clips. And what was the emergency? Makes me wonder, was this planned? You know, and they sort of, so she couldn't get threat, threatened before. But, you know, a lot of this already had come out in the clips and was taped. But the real bombshell that I thought was just sort of how violent the president is. And the fact that he tried to grab the wheel of his of the, the beast, and which is such a weird word anyway for a car. Um, but they tried to grab the wheel, that he tried to attack um, Engel. The fact that he, you know, throws dishes and, and threw a temper tantrum and tried to, you know, throw the, throw, yeah, exactly. Hi, Ben. He, you know, the fact that he kind of grabbed the, the tablecloth and, you know, just to show that he's sort of a violent dude and um, he's kind of an out of control guy, you know, like, like I, I'm sure he's horrified to know now that the whole world knows that he's out of control and loses control of his crazy baby emotions. So, you know, so I, I thought that that was the big bombshell. I think the that she basically threw Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump under the bus. I, I won't be surprised to see those three people prosecuted. I'll, I'll turn it over to, to Ben Micellis. Uh, ben, let's let's go to you. Uh, I cede my your... time. I cede my time. I, I, I have my ketchup, Karen. Most of that was not known to me. I mean, there was, in my view, revelation after revelation there. I mean, she took us right in the heart of what was going on on January 6th. And the biggest piece of it was, was that Trump viewed himself like a Napoleon conquering. And he wanted to go into the Capitol building with the insurrectionists who he wanted to be armed with AR-15s. And he wanted to literally, you know, and as I think when he's saying that good about hanging, you know, Vice President Pence and everything, his plan in his own sick mind was to go to the chamber and like declare himself dictator. I mean, that's what we heard today. Um, you know, but Ben, let me ask you a like question. That. Can I ask you a question? Sorry, Tony. No, <laughs> I don't go to ahead. Take go your ahead. Role. But I have a question for Ben. I agree. Most of this wasn't known to any of us, right? But it was known to the committee. It was on tape. 
What was the emergency that happened in the last 24 hours that they needed to have this live versus, do you think it was just she changed her mind and was willing to come in live? Do you think she had a change of heart? That's my question is so much of what she, you know, she had her notes and her notebook and she was very methodical, but a lot of it was, was taped and in, in the bag for the hearing people. What was it that caused them to call this hearing an emergency and present this live? That, that's my question that I'd love to hear your take, Ben. My take is, is that we're in like halftime right now, right? Yeah. So we've heard some bombshells in halftime, but we don't know, you know, where the hearing is going to go in a little bit. We know that there's kind of documentary evidence supporting it, but I would say we're in recess. We're going to go back and I'm okay with how they wanted to frame it. They want to call it an emergency on emergency, call whatever the hell you want it, but we exposed Donald Trump today. And then let's see what happens in the next, you know, when we come back from recess, I would just say. I don't have a, I don't have a concrete answer for Karen, but I've heard some speculation that there may be, this may have been a balancing act with things that are going on at the DOJ, um, wanting to either preempt or get this, this um, testimony out from prior to something happening at the DOJ. I have no solid, um, you know, information, but that's speculation that I've heard. I just wanted to add, like, I mean, this, <laughs> these violent outbursts from Donald Trump, hearing them in real time like this, I mean, it's, it is, it's just floors you, but let us not forget, this is a man who had credible, multiple credible allegations of rape going back decades. So we know this is, these are his proclivities. And for God's sakes, let us finally hold him accountable this time. Uh, I want to go to uh, the Texas Paul, uh, Texas Paul. What, what did you think of some of the bombshells there? I mean, I, I don't think it's surprising that Donald Trump is a little whiny baby, but the, the, the thing that struck me and, and speak on this, if you would, he really, he really, like uh, Ben said, Napoleon um, uh, complex here. He thought he was going to go there. He could do whatever he wanted, even grab a steering wheel and grab someone by the throat uh, to get physically violent in that moment um, because he's so pissed off that they're not letting him be the dictator he wants to be. What did you? What do you think of that, Paul? Exactly. Ben beat me to it. That was exactly my first thought was that this was his plan. He knew these people were armed. He knew they were armed with AR-15s. He knew they were armed with 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 uh, handguns. He was going to march them down to the Capitol. He was going to walk into the middle of the Capitol <laughs> and declare himself king. That's exactly what he intended to do that day. And it was being taken away from him because he could not be there. He saw people responding to this situation. He saw that's why he would not call it off because he had every intention of walking down there and declaring himself king. The other thing that just completely just, I have been dying to find out who was talking to the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and, 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 and facilitating the violence. And the fact that Rudy Giuliani knew on the second, he knew on that meeting, he told, he told uh, you know, I jotted it down here. He, he, told, he told Cassidy Hutchinson on the second, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers were going to be there. And, and who was armed? You know, we, oh, this is, I mean, this is it. This, this is it. And I believe you're absolutely right. The, the reason that this was, I thought maybe it was death threats was why that they had to bump this up so much that she was getting nervous because of death threats. No, I believe, I believe Jessica's absolutely right. The, you know, we've seen FBI agents moving over the last few days, like what happened with Eastman coming out of the restaurant I believe that 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 they are they are moving 
and they don't have the patience to wait for the showmanship anymore. So that I think that they agreed to get this out there today, get it over with, and you watch. There will be FBI agents all over the damn place over the next few days, catching up people's mm-hmm. electronic devices. But I am so goddamn mad. I just, I, I, can you believe that arrogant son of a bitch? I mean, attacked his own security, <laughs> throwing dishes and shit like that. That's not a president. Well, That's not he's a out president. of control. He's out of control. Yeah. What? I'll I tell said, you. I'll, t- I'll tell you. Ketchup and broken glass. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you that that um, I'm not surprised by it. Actually, I'm I'm actually I was surprised to hear it come out of someone's mouth finally under oath in front of the world, but I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that that was the statement. Uh, Gabe does so many videos and he actually predicts things that he doesn't even know he predicts because these people are so easily predicted. He actually <laughs> had a video that he put out months and months and months ago and it had Cassidy Hutchinson in it inadvertently even. Didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. But but these people are so easy to predict because they're so unpredictably unpredictable, if you want to put it that way. Right. Donald Trump is a whiny little bitch. He's been that way for a long, long, <laughs> long time. He will continue to be that way, even if he is in an orange jumpsuit and leg irons. He will continue to be a whiny little right. bitch. Gabe, what do you think about some of the stuff we I, I know you're not surprised. I mean, no, it's, yeah, I mean, no, yeah, none, none of this is surprising. But I mean, like the key details kind of painting the picture of what happened that day behind the scenes were like, OK, what we all was were suspecting actually ended up be true. I mean, like the fact that he's throwing dishes and it's ketchup. We know he was eating fast food. We know that after after the election, that people in the White House had to clear out the odor of flatulence. He was farting everywhere from eating, bin, he's binging, eating fast food. That's the kind of guy he's sitting in the goddamn car having a tantrum because he wants to go to Disney World, trying to take control from his parents being the Secret Service. And then they say, no, get back in the seat. We're going back home. And then he starts trying to choke out the parent, which is the Secret Service. Like, what world do we live in where the sitting president of the United States begins to choke out the person that's there to protect him? Like, what what is happening? What 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 alternative universe are we in? You can't even write this stuff. What's happening is he wanted to be king, and they were not letting him do it. Exactly. He knows if he. If, I guarantee you, if Donald Trump had made his way down to the Capitol with all these armed sons of bitches, and he said it himself, they're not here to hurt me. Take the magnetometers away. He knew about this yep. plan. Very very important observation. They're not there to hurt me. Well, then who are they there to hurt? Right. He knew exactly who it was. A couple of things. Gabe, you got to connect up something you just said. There's flatulence. Why do you think they call it the beast? (laughs) People have to get into that thing with him. Of course it's the beast. And by the way, I think we learned something new. I could be wrong. This is the first time I've heard his Secret Service code name is Mogul. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I've heard I've heard that before. Maybe you know, maybe my code name for him, Grandpa Poopy Pants. Now that Gabe has exposed him as a flatulent well, it, um, it's uh, starter, maybe but, that would be more. Vogel was was a revelation. But the the thing that I, if if I can suggest one fact, we know is that recently uh, Cassidy Hutchinson changed counsel. She changed counsel from having uh, a Trump friendly counsel to Jody Hunt, who was yep. chief staff to Jeff Sessions. Jody Hunt was the guy in the Oval Office 
who bore witness to Trump's reaction when he was told that Mueller had been appointed. Yep. I believe the exact quote was, Jesus, I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah, now are. representing yeah, are. But ben, uh, ben, Hutchinson. So ben, I seriously here. Seriously, on the point you were making, game this out. Trump makes it to the Capitol. Trump gets into the chamber. Game this out. What happens? Because if they don't finish their work on January sixth, we know what starts to happen with the clock. I and mean, they had what till the eleventh or something before they went to the boat. It goes to the House after that if they can't right. reach 270, right? But what happens? Game this up. Trump makes it down. I mean, let, let's let's live in that reality. Trump. The reality. Is, guys, the reality guys, is hang, on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I have some. I have some breaking news here. Um, Donald Trump is truthing from his two central account. Um, here, here is the words that he's he's tweeting. Uh, Gabe, can you can you see if you can put together a graphic so yeah, we can yeah. pull that up real quick? Um, we're watching as the committee's coming back in, but I want to, I want to get to this. I hardly know who this person, Cassie Hutchin is other than I heard very negative things about her, a total phony and leaker. And when she requested to go for certain others, it's hard to read his writing here of the team to Florida after my having served a full term in office. Um, the committee is uh, working their way back into the room. I apologize to the panel to cut you guys off, but there is breaking news. Um, Donald Trump uh, Gabe, maybe you can tweet that out or, um, from our yeah. account, and so everyone can see that. We're going to go back to the. Um, we're going to go back to the hearing here. Without objection, the committee stands adjourned. And there you have it: the adjournment of the committee with bombshell testimony from the aide of the former White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, Cassidy Hutchinson. Um, as Chairman Benny Thompson described it, they're doing her patriotic duty today. I want to bring in someone who understands Donald Trump better than most because he's been close to the former president of the United States. He was his former personal attorney. Uh, Michael Cohen is joining us now. Uh, Michael, I want to get your take on some of the testimony today uh, as we watch to see Cassidy Hutchinson here um, being taking photos as she's leaving. What, what was some of your take on the testimony today, Michael? Like everybody else's, you're just sitting there shaking your head, uh, Tony, and saying, wow. I mean, um, from the throwing of the food against the wall in the White House, all the way to the attacking of his uh, Secret Service agent in the Beast, you know, to the fact that each and every one of be it, it appears to me that each and every one of these GOP members knew exactly what was going to happen in advance of January 6th insurrection. And yet <laughs> they all said nothing. They all they all did absolutely nothing. And I hope that the people that are watching this program on Midas Touch Life, I hope that they remember this. The testimony of an insider, like I was when I testified in Congress, an insider who's telling you that Donald Trump is a clear and present danger to the United States of America. But I want to make one more point. It's not just Donald. It's all of these enablers. I mean, you may recall when Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and a whole slew of others attacked me the day that I testified before the House Oversight Committee. And my response back to them was, 
I know what you're doing. I've been there. I know the playbook. You know how? I wrote it. And I know that you're going to see the same headaches that I'm seeing and that my, me and my family are dealing with right now. And lo and behold, two years plus later, another thing that I had said is coming true. And I got to be honest with you. What they did is it's it's unimaginable. I mean, there's just no way to describe or to put into words the level of deceit to the American people. Only criticism of today's testimony and all of the testimony by all of these folks. Why didn't they come out sooner? Because if Cassidy's and God bless her, and I really hope she stays safe because it's great. They love to get you up there. They turn around, they tell you what you've done is patriotic to the country, but nobody, nobody except for a handful of us know the danger that Donald Trump poses to you and your family once you leave those halls. So I want her to remain safe. But at the end of the day, you have to turn around and you have to get out there. You got to vote all of these animals out of office because look, what they wanted to do is what I warned the country also. Two years ago, as the first person to do it, there will never be a peaceful transfer of power if Donald Trump loses the 2020 election. Well, let me ask you, because you you talk about her safety and we even um, we've seen statements from witnesses like, hey, be loyal, be loyal and everything will be fine. Nothing, you know, nothing will happen to you. Um, This seems to be a pattern with the Trump world and Trump himself is that these thin veiled threats, it, it almost seems like witness tampering, um, you know, at a bare what minimum. Mean, what do you mean, Tony? It almost seems like it is witness tampering. It's witness tampering and obstruction of justice. Just look it up in Wikipedia and you will see exactly the actions that Donald Trump and his acolytes do is witness tampering and obstruction of justice, plain and simple. But yet, look, we've seen enough testimony from this hearing. We have seen enough information over the course of the last two plus years in order to have locked this man away for a long time. But not just him. It's the whole group of them. Stunning testimony today, exceptionally important to history But then again, it's just adding another layer to the cake of the illegalities that Donald Trump and his, you know, and his inner circle are responsible for over many, many years. What did you make of the um, temper tantrum, but particularly the one in the vehicle, in the beast that they described where he he physically put his hands on the wheel and physically put his hands on someone? I find it, you know, kind of. Uh, I guess hilarious. We watched Rudy Giuliani get patted on the back and somehow he was, you know, suplexed onto the ground. But here we have the president of the United States. He's so pissed off that they won't allow him to go to the Capitol to crown, be crowned King or whatever he thought was going to happen. So upset that he was, he was willing to physically put his hands on the person who was going to protect him. What do you make of that, that image? Yeah, I, look, I've seen Donald Trump throw temper tantrums uh, on a handful of occasions. In my book, Disloyal, I actually uh, cite one incident, which was against Don Jr., when Don Jr. said the wrong thing uh, while we were at the WWE Raw, uh, where there was a shtick going on with him and Vince McMahon for the purchase and then the sellback of the WWE to him. Uh, Don said the wrong thing. It was a pretty innocuous statement uh, that... Do you ever get nervous going out in front of big crowds like this? 
in essence, what Don was trying to do was to tell his dad it's a huge crowd because even back then, size matters for Trump. And obviously not according to Stormy Daniels, but size matters, um, you know, in Trump land. And that sent him off to the point, you know, that he went ballistic. Don Jr. got thrown out of the room. I ended up leaving to go talk to him, you know, because he was obviously upset over his father's reaction. But I've seen other events where Trump starts slamming his hand, you know, on the desk and so on. You would think, you know, that he broke his hand. That's how hard that he hit it. But you know who these actions remind me a lot of? It's like the actions of like Kim Jong-un, you know, when he behaves in a way which is so narcissistic and dictatorial that I'm not shocked at anything that came out of Cassidy's mouth today. I'm just disappointed that this information didn't find its way to the American people months and months and months ago, especially during the second impeachment. So what do you make of uh, maybe the movement from here on out now that we had this out in the space? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of people who have criminal liability now just from the testimony that was uh, spoken today by Cassidy. One p- person in particular would be her former boss, Mark Meadows. Um, man, uh, well, I, you have Chip on yep. top of that. You have, you know, potentially Jared on top of that. You also have um, you have Jim Jordan. You can also have thrown into this whole mix, uh, you know, a handful of other individuals that were all involved. Uh, especially the group Roger Stone, you know, who took the fifth, General Flynn. I mean, all of these folks that took place, um, that got together at the January 5th hotel meeting, I mean, I think each and every one of them knew well in advance something that I've been talking about for a long time now. Every single one of them knew in advance what was going to happen because Donald told them to do it. I've stated this a million times, and it's worth repeating. Nothing went on in the White House without Donald Trump knowing about it firsthand. Nothing ever went on at the Trump Organization without Donald Trump knowing about it firsthand. From the acquisition of real estate to the purchasing of paper clips, the man was involved in every single aspect of both the company and the White House, which he ran exactly the same way. Did he pick the ketchup that he would throw against the wall? I'm just, I'm trying to figure out exactly how many details. Because that was one of the images that she gave us, is that she, she came in, and this wasn't the first time she had had witnessed this, where he had thrown his plate against the wall because he was so mad. And I guess the ketchup, you know, thing kind of stands out. It's, it's kind of a, a funny point. But I think the point she was trying to make in her testimony is that he... He really was like this all the time when he didn't get his way. And it was obvious the day of January 6th that he wasn't getting his way. Mike Pence wasn't doing what he told him to do. Um, People weren't escorting him to the Capitol like he told them to do. They just weren't doing what he wanted for for them to make him king and Ultimately, that's maybe why the ketchup ended up on the wall. I guess that's kind of a funny side point. But really, into all the seriousness here, how dangerous, how dangerously close were we to Donald Trump um, bullying these people into doing what he wanted to do and tearing down our democracy? How Look, close you have to give them you have to give them a lot of credit for standing up. It is not easy. And I've also said this uh, ad nauseum. It is not easy standing up to Donald Trump. 
the guy is beyond vindictive. The man knows no shame. He has no empathy. So he will go to any length out there in order to get what it is that he wants, including putting his own life and everybody else's life in jeopardy by grabbing a hold of a steering wheel while the beast, which is like a 20,000 pound vehicle. I mean, the doors, I don't know if you've ever been in the beast or felt the beast. I've closed the doors, um, you know, to the beast, um, you know, with myself when I was allowed to sit inside of it. Um, those doors weigh like 10,000 pounds. I mean, it's crazy. And he grabbed the wheel of the beast while it's in motion simply because the baby in chief wasn't getting what he wanted. He didn't get a chance to go march with people. He allowed weapons to be you know, brought close, you know, to, uh, you know, to the to the rally that he was speaking. At. He put everyone's life in jeopardy. But here's the thing that Cassidy stated, and it's true. His only thought was that they will not hurt me. These are my people. So he doesn't give a shit if it was your life in jeopardy or anybody else, maybe a journalist from CNN or MSNBC or ABC, NBC, CBS. It didn't make a difference to him. Who was there? Who can get hurt? Knowing that they wouldn't hurt him, he wanted to be there. He actually wanted to walk them through the Capitol. That's how I see, you know, knowing him as well as I do. That's what he wanted to do, to lead the charge, hoping that that would intimidate Mike Pence to call the whole thing off. Then he would end up taking over and remaining as president, whether it was for an extra day or an extra year or whatever it might be. The man is a narcissistic sociopath who has autocratic tendencies and somehow or another, he managed to bamboozle his way, you know, into the White House and become the worst version of himself ever imaginable. I never thought that this would be the way that I remember, you know, the legacy of Donald Trump ever. Well, uh, speaking of legacy of Donald Trump, he's adding to the legacy this afternoon by, I know, I guess you call it truthing. I, I, I'm not wow. really sure. Um, I want to bring those up real quick here. Um, he, he says he hardly knows who this person, Cassie Hushin, is. That's a very typical. Um, he didn't know who I was either. Remember that? Right. Absolutely. His second one here from just, uh, you know, 20 minutes after he says, never complained about crowd size. It was massive. Um, I mean, you know, we can go back and read these statements. It's it's full of a bunch of gibberish, to be quite honest, just because he's he's fucking lying here. He can't help himself but to lie. It's really ironic that this is truth. I think we have some more uh, clips here. Uh, here, here is another from 20 minutes later, her fake story that I tried to grab the steering wheel of the White House limousine in order to steer into the Capitol building is sick and fraudulent. Very fraudulent much, is the wrong word, by the way. OK, right. Well, you know, when he's saying these things, I believe he's saying, yes, I did these. I have to say I didn't do these because I did do these things um, by making these statements. He says, very much like the unselect committee itself, wouldn't even have been possible to do such a ridiculous thing. Her story of me throwing food is also false. And why would she, I don't know why you can't lie, she there have to clean it up. I hardly knew who she was. Uh, okay, yeah, first I, of all, you may remember in her testimony, she didn't have to clean it up. She felt bad for the man uh, that was 
um, that was cleaning up and she lent a hand. That's generally what people do, right? When you have empathy for another person. But then again, he finishes it by stating that he hardly knew who she was. That's the three D's of Donald Trump, right? It's distance yourself, denigrate, and then deflect to something else. Then he goes on to talk about in the in the last Truth Social one that she changed lawyers at the last time. That happened to me as well. I was being bombarded by a guy named Costello who was involved with Giuliani, who wanted to be part of the defense team when when I was um, undergoing after the FBI raid and uh, the in alleged uh, you know investigation into me and all that other nonsense. They wanted to put this guy Costello in. They want their people in the game. In that way, they could report back so that you can be directed to stay on message. It's exactly how the mob works. The Don tells you, right, no pun intended here, the Don tells you, use this guy. He's, he's, he's one of us. He's part of the family, right? He'll keep you safe. Put your arms around them until you have to shoot him. That's what Donald is all about. Right. Denigrate, distance and then deflect onto something else. It's the three D's. And he does the same thing every time. It's about time that press and and, you know, um, folks who are supporters of Trump start to see this. And rest assured, I guarantee if I go onto my cell phone right now, I've already received an email from Donald Trump's. uh, What do you call it? His campaign finance you know, organization. Hey, you know, just got smashed and attacked by the unselect committee. Send $15, right? Because we have to fight this. I guarantee you this fucking grifter in chief is going to do everything in his power to suck even more money out of this. I mean, it's funny. This is bothering him a lot. It'll bother him a lot worse if he doesn't make money off of it. But this is really bothering him. The fact that you have all of these people coming together and corroborating what we already knew. We've already read the emails, the text messages, and so on, and the the recordings. We've already heard, seen, and read these things. So we knew exactly what Cassidy was going to be responding to. It was just nice to have it coming first person from somebody like myself who was a fly in the wall during a certain period of time. Michael, I really appreciate you joining us. Um, I'm going to go to the panel here, but I, I know your insight is always valuable. Do you want to stick around for the panel, or do you have to? Or you have now, to jump? I'll, I'll stick around for you You'll for a few minutes. Around. Okay, sure. yeah, that, that sounds great. That sounds yeah, great. You know, you have, look, you have a lot of people that are on right now. I, uh, I know, know asking a million and one questions here. Yeah, and, um, there, know, there is a lot. There is a lot of people. Um, uh, let me bring in some of our panel here. Um, I thought we were going to have some footage of interviews afterwards, but we're not going to have um, that going on. I think believe <laughs> I believe because um, they're cutting the footage. I don't think that they're letting the select committee give interviews uh, after the fact here. Um, and the and, and the reason why is maybe because of security. I think they have some security concerns. Um, I think I have everybody here. Yes, I do. Um, Jessica, you had something that you wanted to say personally about uh, uh, Trump and, and maybe being pressured. I know uh, you have experience with this. Maybe you give us insight into this. Yeah, I just wanted to, to point out, I tweeted about this, that that how, I mean, if you're a woman who's lived this, this gaslighting, this playbook in that first tweet where he said, um, I've heard very negative things about Cassidy Hutchinson. She's bad news. Um, I know we all know this is complete bullshit and gaslighting, but to his supporters, this is the narrative that goes out. And I experienced this 
firsthand. I mean, I had an episode where I was literally running an errand for Stephen Miller one night, going out, picking, waiting for hours at a Kinko's to pick up the Ken Starr report that he so he could have it the next day for a debate. And that night, an insane, insane rumor went around Trump Tower that I have learned about through the discovery in my lawsuit where it was um, being told that I was rummaging through people's offices, through Kellyanne Conway's office, through Dave Fossey's office. I was called by my former boss, this bitch is out of control. What's her malfunction? Um, You know, basically bad news. This woman is bad news. It is such a misogynist, sick card to play on women. So, um, you know, I'm just, I I dealt with this in in silence, in privacy, in, in enormous, she's, she has kind of a separate situation to deal with because she is very public. And I hope that publicity gets her the protection that she needs. And I think it will. I really pray and hope that it does. I was in a very different scenario where I couldn't say anything. And I had to deal with all of these lies and this this an unbelievable pressure and slander in silence. Um and so I, you know, I empathize with her on that. And and she is extraordinarily brave. Again, just I want to emphasize what we started this conversation off with, that here is a woman. Who is it? It's a woman telling the truth. It's a woman dropping the bombs. It's a woman confronting the evil. And it's going to be women that bring this mother frigger down finally, hold him accountable for once and for all, and demand that that we move forward without this sickness and poison in, in the American fabric anymore. Uh, Karen, I, I want to go to you too, but I want to pull up while you're while you're talking here because I want to go to the former prosecutor um, because I, I think I think it it just seems to be that um, maybe the assumption that Jessica was making at the break that maybe something is coming from DOJ that that not the, just that speculation that possibly this is the reason why they wanted to get this out in the open as fast as they possibly could. Um, do you think, do you think we'll see people like Mark Meadows and handcuffs by the end of the week? I, you know, I just, I, I think the world wants to know. I, you got to unmute there. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it seems to me the, the two things that, that, struck me about uh, about this testimony today was I, I believe that this like, committee is working close with the Department of Justice because um, they don't want to do anything to disrupt the investigation in any way or create any kind of issue or situation where uh, witnesses are testifying that they, they might not want to testify publicly. Um, so I think that this must be coordinated. And I do believe something is coming out with Mark Meadows. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of what Ms. Hutchinson talked about was uh, was all of what Mr. Meadows was doing, and more importantly, not doing. And you know, when she talked about the three camps, you know, the Ivanka was in the camp of you know, stop them, make them stop. There was the neutral camp, and then there was the Meadows and and Trump camp. And I, I think it's pretty clear that she is. Um, is going to be a critical witness against Mark Meadows and that the Department of Justice, it seems to me that that's sort of the next step in this investigation and prosecution. They're getting closer. And I think that 
potentially is why she testified now so that the American people would understand and know exactly what his culpability was, what um, a little bit of Giuliani and, and Donald Trump. Um, and I think, I do think it's a coordinated effort to, um, to let people know kind of what the evidence is, what the testimony is. The other thing I thought was sort of interesting in addition to the things that everyone else already talked about and, uh, you know, just about the violence and the, the being out of control and being emotional. And I agree with Michael that it sounds very much like a, you know, a mafia playbook, you know, the way he, he runs things. But the thing that I thought was, was quite, um, interesting was the two were the two closing statements by, um, representative, uh, Thompson and Cheney, where they both basically, um, was talking about kind of witness tampering and witness threats. And so I, I really felt like they were sending a message that, you know, we know your playbook. We know that you call people up and, and say things like, you know, like you're, you know, we know you're a team player or you'll be taken care of and that, that those are being viewed as threats and, uh, and that they're not going to take that lightly. And if you do threaten witnesses before they come here, we will, um, take that very seriously. I don't think it's a coincidence that they did that with her testimony, uh, today. I think they were clearly sending a message that that's what they're doing and that they're on to them and that they better fucking stop because it's outrageous. And so I do think it's those two things, um, that this hearing kind of, you know, why it was today and why it was an emergency. I agree with all of the things you guys, you, you were saying earlier, Tony, that it, um, you think it's about threats. I think that was very clear with those closing statements that that's what it's about. But I do think that the, the circle is closing in on the inner circle, getting closer to the White House. And I think today was, was mostly about Meadows and reconstructing uh, the day, the January 6th kind of um, what Trump was doing and where he was. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if they're getting closer to finally prosecuting him. Tony, can I jump in here for one yeah, quick second? Because Karen's spot on on that with the witness statement. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've also, you know, frequently stated is the way that they operate is they put the lawyer in with you. But I just want to go through the witness statement, if I may, uh, you know, that was put out by uh, Congresswoman Cheney. When they, what they said to me is as long as I continue to be a team player, they know that I'm on the team. I'm doing the right thing. I'm protecting who I need to protect. You know, I'll continue to stay in good graces in Trump world. And they have reminded me a couple of times that Trump does read transcripts. And just to keep that in mind as I proceed through my depositions and interviews with the committee, it's almost exactly the same as the text messages, emails, things that were sent to me by guys like Costello and, and Giuliani and a couple of messages that would come in from other people that were still in Trump world as I was testifying um, before the various different committees at the beginning of the investigations. Um, you know, like like I said, boy, you know, Congresswoman Cheney is really um, she's she's really just a beast. I mean, the way she's handling these proceedings, I mean, she in and of herself really deserves some type of a congressional award uh, for doing what she's doing. And remember, she, too, put her own career on the line here. So, you know, that has to be noted, especially the fact that she's a Republican. 
David, did you have something that you wanted to add? I, I did, and 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 Michael uh, and and Jessica, both of you have been on the inside of this, uh, and and indeed, Michael, you just made the point that I I was, I I was remembering what happened uh, when uh, you uh, went through uh, this initial period and were receiving those messages. I think think some of them were even taped uh, messages to you. Uh, let me ask you something: if if you experienced this, both of you uh, saw how this playbook went out. What's going on right now, uh, now that this has happened? Uh, we see it on Truth Social. We know he's not writing a lot of it because it's spelled properly. So what is going on? What is their playbook now that uh, these people are cooperating? What, In your view, for, from the inside, both of you having seen it, what's he going to do now, this must be killing him. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's really angry right now. But here's the Donald Trump playbook. Something Roy Cohn, the famous attorney, once taught him when he was a kid. Deny, deny, deny. All right. You know, no fingerprints for me, considering I have no email. You're not seeing any handwritten notes like you're seeing from Meadows. It wasn't me. It's somebody else. And that's why I think that the next group of people that you're going to start seeing FBI agents showing up on, Giuliani, Meadows, uh, Cipollone, you're going to start seeing a whole slew of these folks now um, getting patted down by FBI agents. It's really bad for all of them because remember, Donald Trump has no loyalty. We always used to say in the office, he's like first Avenue, right? One way. And he doesn't give a rat's ass about any of these folks. And as long as he can escape responsibility, something he has done his entire life, he will use whatever levers of power that he still has. And he will make sure that each and every one of these folks ends up under the bus well in advance of him. Are you betting that he will escape? Uh, I don't believe that he is going to be um, indicted for any of this. I, I, I don't, but I believe that everyone else around him will. I do believe charges may be brought, but I think it's going to be very difficult when the man, once again, you're not going to find anything from Donald that turns around and says, handwritten documents, emails, text messages. He doesn't do these things. He was taught as a kid, no fingerprints on anything. And he's managed to escape liability his whole entire life using that, you know, using that um, game plan. I want to say uh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take Michael to task on that. Let's, let's just, um, let's change the expectations, Michael, that we've had for his whole life. Let's let's bring justice to bear on this situation. Donald Trump is going to be indicted because Donald Trump needs to be indicted. His fingerprints are all over the television screens and Twitter and everything else they have been for a year and a half, for God's sakes. With the American people know and the Justice Department knows. I know I know you and I, Michael, have been through hell. You've been through much more than I have. You're you've been in prison. But 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 don't let that don't let that taint your faith in the justice system working now. This this hearing, it is late. Too much time has passed, too much damage has been done, but now is the moment when these these unfathomable bombshells, one after another, I heard someone tweet that this is like after the second bombshell, it just put, you know, John Dean is like, you know, way, way in the, doesn't even compare to the bombshells of today's testimony. 
we we cannot move past this as as a society without Donald Trump being charged and we will demand it and it will happen. So let's raise the expectations and and expect finally the right thing to happen. Um, the question that David asked when he started off this uh, question to me and Michael was what happens next? Yes, Donald Trump will continue to gaslight his cult. They will continue to be mobilized to the point of terrorism by him. You know what stops that for once and for all? A criminal indictment, putting Donald Trump behind bars. A man in prison does not have the same effect on a cult following than a free man living on a golf course. So that's what happens next. Tweet a little more on your untruth, unsocial, and then face face the fire that you've been avoiding your whole life because it's coming, Trump. So Jessica, let me then respond back to you for a quick second, because I, like you, have wanted to see Donald indicted, incarcerated for his crimes. Now, I've been very clear, and I've said it on television also many, many times. I don't want to see Donald Trump or anybody indicted, incarcerated, um, because I despise them. I dislike them. I disagree fundamentally with everything that they stand for. I want to see them indicted and incarcerated for, for crimes that can be proven. Now, remember, one of the big problems that we have here is you are still talking about a former president of the United States. And the system, as I have unfortunately learned, is not designed in order to deal with somebody like Donald Trump. Rest assured, I, like you, and virtually everybody that's probably watching this, I want to see him indicted, all right? I want to see, I wanted to see Alvin Bragg do what he was supposed to do after I gave 14 different, um, you know, uh, meetings with them over, you know, a, a two and a half year period. Um, I wanted to see indictments coming out of the DA, no different than I was happy to see stuff coming out of Georgia. And I was happy to see these hearings moving forward. Nevertheless, this is still America. I don't have a lot of faith in the Department of Justice simply because I went through it and I understand so much better now than I've ever understood it before that the Department of Justice is designed to protect the entire institution, not an individual, because there's so much corruption that's going on there. And specifically with this GOP, they all need to be indicted. Only difference, they don't have the um, the power that the president had. Remember, you know, this guy also was given four years of national security information right at these briefings. Very difficult to put somebody with that information in prison because Donald Trump would sell that information for a bag of freaking M&Ms. And Michael, in fairness, you dealt with a different DOJ. This is a DOJ now not under Bill Barr, but under Merrick Garland. And we're seeing these things happening in real time. We're seeing what happened to Eastman. We're seeing what's happening now uh, with a DOJ that is determined, apparently, to pursue the facts where they lead, which is what he pledged to do. And this public hearing is pushing them in that direction. So I agree with you. When you were dealing with the DOJ, it was a very different, you know, circle the wagons, no collusion, no obstruction. We heard that from Bill Barr for a month before the report was released. So uh, I think Jessica has a point. I think we may have finally reached a place where with this happening in public, this is, he was taught from birth not to do emails, not to leave notes, to burn everything, but he's doing it in plain sight. So, and, and can I, that, David, I, David, do you remember, you ever hear the old, you ever hear the expression, David, from your mouth to God's ears? Yes. 
All right. We all, from your mouth to God's ears. I'm just let let me just say I'm less uh, I'm I'm more skeptical than than you are about Trump. I believe he will be indicted. There's no doubt in my mind for for one of the many alleged illegalities that he has been involved with. I just believe that you know, um, actually finding him guilty will be much more difficult than people believe. So, so let me, let me, uh, cause I actually agree with all of you that, that, um, because I think it's, it's very difficult, um, to cross, to cross the Rubik. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to say how much respect I have for Michael and his experience yes. and what he's done. And I do not question his, his personal lived experience. And I want, I just wanted to bring full circle on one thing that Michael said. He said, I don't want to do this for, because I'm, you know, out of vindication or, or, you know, retribution. And I think that's really important. I mean, we've got a panel here of, you know, three, six, seven people who really, really want to see Donald Trump indicted. But that's not what this is about. This justice is not a zero sum game. This is even if Donald Trump is indicted and, you know, God willing, actually put in a penitentiary, it will be the biggest gift that this man has ever given because he will have to face the truth, something that he's never lived. He has lived a lie his whole life. So it's actually a blessing to everyone, including Donald Trump. All right. Well, so so I want to say that I think it is difficult. Um, the the indictment seems to be easy. The trial, the process will be a long process um, through the court and through a trial system, and maybe even a jury selection could be very difficult. And I'm going to go to Karen here because she 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 has a little more expertise than most of us on this panel that, about this. But I I am very 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 concerned, and I want to give people the idea that we have never put a former president of the United States in a penitentiary. We have never incarcerated one. So we don't know what that is. We don't know what that means. We don't know what a federal judge would do because Karen, am I correct in saying that a federal judge would actually dictate it within, if he is indicted, if he's convicted, if a jury finds him guilty of, of charges, a, a judge gets to decide his fate in that moment. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because I think whether he's indicted and, and he's convicted and the jury finds him guilty, I think the American people, that will give them some kind of, you know, glad feeling. But having a former president locked up, we don't know what that looks like. And a federal judge has a lot to do with that decision. How do you see if Donald Trump were to uh, face indictment and be found guilty would he serve time you think so don't forget he could be prosecuted either in state court or federal court as michael pointed out alvin bragg the manhattan da had a pending case or had a case an investigation against him uh that um they did not bring and um still people are still hoping that he will but there's also investigation in georgia you know, when he said, you know, find the votes, find the 12,000 votes. So it could be state court. It could be federal court. As you said, it's very clear that the Department of Justice is investigating him. And uh, then if he were to be prosecuted, he would be arrested. He'd be brought before a judge and a judge would decide whether or not he, during the pendency of his case, whether he would be incarcerated uh, pre-trial, um, whether he's a flight risk or a risk um 
you know, a danger to society. And, and those are the, the, um, balancing sort of that, you know, that, that they would, they would, um, do whether he could have house arrest or an ankle monitor. I mean, there's d- very different ways a, a federal judge could decide what to do pre-trial with him. He would then be prosecuted like anybody else and he would have to be indicted. He, um, would be prosecuted. He would then go to trial and, um, he'd probably have a jury trial. I, I am almost hundred percent sure it would be a jury trial. Um, and then, you know, it would, they would present evidence. It would have to be admissible evidence. And interestingly, the, these hearings, which have been phenomenal, uh, some of some of what they present is hearsay, and so some of what they pr- have presented would require live testimony, um, and not just the hearsay that they have. So, I'm sure the federal prosecutors are watching these hearings to see what evidence would be admissible evidence, um, and then you know it goes to a jury, and a jury decides. And um, sent- of course, the sentence is is up to the judge um, if he is convicted. And uh, yes, he could go to prison for sure for all of these crimes. Um, that, that's just sort of the process. You're right that that there's no sitting pr- United States president who's ever been prosecuted. Um, we have, I'm sure, prosecuted other. Uh, you know, we like to to be the world's um, police, and so. I'm sure there have been former other kind of presidents in other countries that we have prosecuted for various corruption, um, <laughs> you know, and, um, but yeah, but we've never, uh, but, but we've never prosecuted a president, a former president of the United States um, in the criminal justice system. As, as we know, Nixon was pardoned um, kind of right away. So he never faced, you know, he, he was the closest we got. He was, he, he never faced um, prosecution. So, you know, We'll see. We will see. I think it's happening. I think he's going to be, uh, I think the cuffs are going to go on him. I don't know if it's state or federal, but I think someone's going to do it. And then I think others are going to do it. I think it's just going to take someone to go first. And as soon as somebody goes first, I think. Noriega, who we logs out here, and to Michael's point uh, about him selling information, there's a way to lock somebody up where they have no contact. And I think that was true with Noriega. No contact whatsoever with the outside world. So well, I would I'll, that. I'll, I'll tell you that he, whether he gets locked up or not, he is absolutely terrified this afternoon. Um, before, before I go to some of these uh, truths or whatever the hell they're called that he's putting out here on, on his, uh, his fraudulent social media site, Too Central, as he calls it, at his rallies, I want to um, give everybody the chance to go over to store.mindestouch.com, get your convict or convict 45 union-made in the USA enamel pen. Just use the code I like convict, by the way. I, I do, I like too. It. I like, I like convict. convict. You know, you know, Tony, I just wanted to bring up one one thing. I know this is going to seem almost comical, though it's obviously not. But as a former president, he is entitled to Secret Service protection for the rest of his life. Could you imagine if, in fact, he does get locked up? I wonder if the Secret Service agents have to go with him. Wouldn't that be something? What what a way to pull a detail on it that. Would, one, it right? would, it would, well, and that's why I I say I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what a federal. It doesn't look do. like it doesn't look like what happened with Noriega in Miami. By the way, in in all fairness, Noriega had a cadre of people. He had his own specific block, and he had people working for him while he was there. It's a it's a very famous story. Uh, but yes, I totally agree. Um, 
it's never happened. I agree with Karen 100%. It's never happened in the United States. And I think Merrick Garland fears that it would be setting a precedent for other presidents then or other um, parties to go after members of the competing party in the future. Right, I mean, would right. this open up a Pandora's yeah, box? Well, I think it's something that Merrick Garland is really, truly concerned about. Uh, Texas, Paul, I know you've been waiting patiently because I know he's got a ton of notes here. I know he does, but I, I, I want to bring you up, but I want to go to, because I know these things really piss you off. Um, but here is, here is some more of these, these truths, I guess, that he's putting out. Uh, he misspelled Cheney here. Uh, Cheney conveniently left out the snippet in my speech to quote, go peacefully and patriotically. Of course, the capitalization doesn't make much sense here. Um, and, and isn't she disgraceful? Uh, he seems really terrified of Darth Vader Jr. Uh, excuse me, Liz Cheney, as I refer to a Darth Vader Jr. But he also tweet or truce out here, whatever, again, whatever the hell it's called. Um, he puts out in the statement here, he says, there is no cross-examination of this so-called witness. This is a kangaroo c- court. I, I, you know, I always have said that it was a Cheeto dust kangaroo coup. So maybe it is appropriate that Donald Trump uh, in you know, on his fraudulent social refers to this as a kangaroo court. And but we went, must not forget that the person who questioned the witness almost the entire time is a Republican, not a Democrat, a Republican. And most Democrats wouldn't vote for her if they're if if she was the last politician on Earth. This is not some kind of liberal Democrat uh, 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 radical. It's Liz Cheney that was questioning her the entire time. So what do you make of his statements versus the testimony today? Obviously, he's a whiny little bitch. But what do you make of it, Texas Paul? Give us give the Midas Mighty the, the Texas Paul version here. He's fucking terrified. He's fucking terrified. This is not a court. This is a political exercise, and he knows he lost. That's exactly what this is, is crowd control. They have laid it out from the beginning. Donald Trump, in the first, before the election, tried to use DeJoy and local states like Ken Paxton here, said, said it out loud. If it wasn't for me, Donald Trump would have lost Texas. That was before the election. They laid out that he was told by everyone around him, that he lost. He went into steel mode. He tried to use the same legislatures that he tried to steal the election with to try to steal it again. I mean, he after the fact. Then he tried to use the DOJ. Then he tried to use the military. And when all of it failed, he tried to use the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers to, to, to try to hold on to power. It all failed. He is fucking terrified and he is going to burn there is no way he walks away from this i don't care what anybody says that's exactly what this is is this is a political exercise to prepare the nation for the fact that we are going to start seeing people all around donald trump and karen knows how it works you don't start convicting at the top you flip them one after the other after the other after the other after the other Today's testimony was to give you the clearest, shittiest picture possible of Donald Trump so that people don't riot, so that people don't, you know, there's no valid claim that he's innocent. 
this this is all a political exercise to free Merrick Garland up to do exactly what he has already planned to do. They are coordinating. They are coordinating. This is the public face of it. But Donald Trump is fucked for all eternity. There's no way he walks away from this. There's too much out there. Too many people. You know, you're right. His fingerprints aren't on it. But when you have 15 people around you saying, he did it. He told me to fucking do it. I guarantee you there's not a jury in this country that is going to let Donald Trump walk away unless they end up with some MAGA motherfucker on there, some cult member. This is over. That's exactly what this is. And and I will give you this hat, Tony, if I am wrong. I guarantee you. I'm going to hold you to this wall. I may be holding I may be holding him to that hat because I happen to like it. All right. <laughs> Walking around the streets of Manhattan, you know, especially now that we have the open gun law. Um, look, I'm with you on everything that you say, except for one thing. I was there with the creation of this playbook. And I'm telling you, the fact that his fingerprints are not on anything. And you could have 100 people. It's still, it's still hearsay. Show me the documentary evidence to which that we could corroborate other than other people. It's a very tough case for a prosecutor. And look, I want him to be held accountable for something. I mean, for God's sakes, I went to prison because I paid a porn star who pulled the president's mushroom pecker. End of story. That's the only legitimate charge, despite I had to plead guilty to others. I don't know if, I, if you read this or I've told it to you, they threatened to indict my wife, and I had 48 hours from start to finish of my case. So, And I have a book that's going to come out about this relatively soon called The Department of Injustice. That's why I'm so um, down on them. They need a massive overhaul, and I hate to say it, I don't believe Merrick Garland has the cojones to do it. Actually, I'm pretty certain, because this is a big uh, moment in American history. It's a huge uh, moment, all right? I do believe ask he gets this indicted. brilliant woman right here. Ask this brilliant woman right here to my right. Point this point this way. Yeah, this way, her, Texas Paul. Her, her, Karen. <laughs> no, her. you know what? Actually, the fault you have the you, you, it's this the fault. You know what? what? To, to Michael's heard point. Today where somebody sit and say, I heard him say it. I saw him say it. And I guarantee you, Mark Meadows is a bitch. And I know I'm going to catch so much hell for using that euphemism from the way. I know. Don't stop typing. I know. But he is a bitch. He is and he will just argue hearsay. It's they, an adequate statement you, offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted therein. That's the Trump playbook, It's going to be, he told me. Not, I heard him say, not some low, you know, it, 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 you know it, I guarantee you, that is not hearsay. He I think to me, I think Karen. I think though putting putting that aside, um, I've I've always said I think that the the best case is the Georgia case, and that phone call is on tape, and that's Trump's words himself. And when you put that all together in context with all this other evidence of what his intent was and what he was looking for, and that he knew that the election was not stolen from him, it wasn't a big you know fraud et cetera, et cetera. And that's on tape. That's his own words. That's why I think that's the case that needs to be brought because you, you know, you, you can prove that he knew that he was told over and over and over and over again, that, that and it, by, both by judges in court and by his lawyers and 
by everybody else. And then he still calls up and, and makes that recording on tape. I think that's absolutely the, um, the case that needs to be brought and why I've always said that's the case um, that needs to happen. Plus, I, I agree. There is a question with Merrick Gar Garland about setting precedent and about, you know, worrying about the legitimacy of, you know, any, any sort of prosecution by someone who is appointed by a Democrat, you know, and, and, and worrying about the future. You know, I do think there's a little reticence there. Um, but I, I, that's why I think Georgia needs to do it. And um, hopefully Alvin Bragg will still do it. But I do think I do think Merrick Garland's going to do it. Um, and I do. And I think that if enough people I, I think Michael has a point, he doesn't have fingerprints anywhere. But I think if enough people come forward and have there's power in numbers, I think that's going to be enough, um, even if there are and no recordings and no papers. And, pardon. So let, so let me and say none this. Of you prosecutors are lone rangers. None of yeah. you are. You know damn well y'all work together. Y'all y'all know damn well you work together. They're gonna bury him under so many freaking prosecutions. He's gonna have he is gonna have so many people coming into him from so I agree. many. Someone has to go first. Denver. Someone has yeah. to go first. And if somebody and goes first, I think the others are gonna fall. Yeah, the one that should yeah. have gone first would have been Alvin Bragg despite the fact that he I allowed agree. the statute of limitations to run on that case. And I'll tell you why. I want everybody to remember. Who's the most famous gangster out there that they couldn't prosecute for the murders and all the other stuff, but they got him on the taxes? Al Capone. Wow. And they exactly. got him on taxes. All right. Exactly. They had him on the taxes. They have him. Who said that last week? I know. Oh, was that you, Texas? All right. I know for a fact the documents because I spent so much time with them. Why they allowed this to walk away? Who cares what's the reason that the man is behind bars? Who cares which is the illegal actions taken by Donald that puts him away and out of our lives? No one. So they should have gone with the low-hanging fruit. Instead, finding, you know, one out of 12 jurors who's going to be a Trump sycophant, acolyte follower is going to be real difficult, right? And that one person can hold up the entire, the entire thing, cause mistrials and so on. This is not an easy case. And um, they should have gone after the low-hanging fruit, put the guy's ass away. You know, makes no difference to me if it's the sedition argument, whether it's a trying to attempt a coup or tax evasion. Makes no difference at all. Jeff, yeah, and, and I mean, read, just, I was say, really quick, read Mark Pomerantz's oh. resignation letter yep. in the, you know, he was the prosecutor under Alvin Bragg. Read his resignation letter. He says, there is no perfect case, but this case, we have enough, let's bring it. You know, and that is true. There is no perfect case. And, but, but prosecutors do it all the time, every single day. And I completely yeah. agree, Michael, that case should have been brought and um, and Alvin, who, you know, I obviously love the Manhattan DA's office and, and think very highly of it. Um, I think this was just the wrong call. Yeah, terrible, terrible call. But just going back to Merrick Garland and what um, the presumed pressure that he's under to set a precedent of charging a, a, a former president and the notion that that might be a bad precedent, I think is just ludicrous. First of all, Donald Trump set his own ludicrous precedent of being president in the first place. So we have to counter that with the appropriate action. Um, last week, we had that uh, kind of 
what I considered to be a, an article that really sowed a lot of doubt and concerns by Jonah Goldberg. I think Michael referenced it last week um, about the possible ramifications, political, you know, framing of a prosecution of Donald Trump. And then on Friday, there was an excellent follow-up piece by Rick Hassan in the New York Times that kind of got, you know, overrun by the Roe news about why any possible risks of indicting Donald Trump are far outweighed by the need to, the absolute need to. And we do have these other cases. I have a lot of faith like Karen does in Georgia and Fonnie Willis. Um, but I think from a federal standpoint, I mean, we're talking about a traitor, a traitor here, a man who committed treason. There should be a federal record for history um, in our country, even if prosecution is hard, even if it doesn't result in conviction, that those federal charges from the Department of justice are brought. And going back to the role that we play, because I, I don't have enormous faith in Merrick Garland either. I wish that somewhat of a, you know, more, maybe a stronger individual was chosen for that role. I think you and I, the American people, just like we flooded the streets, um, you know, to protest for George Floyd and all these social justice, justice movements, the way we flooded the streets to, you know, protest against Roe versus Wade, we, we need to show that we are demanding this. I, I was outside SCOTUS after the leaked opinion. I said to one of the organizers, I said, do you think we could get this same energy at the Department of Justice? And she's like, yeah, I think so. Because it's damn well as important if, I mean, it's as important. There is nothing more important to our future as a free people than holding Donald Trump accountable. So us out here in society, we have a role by by making our voices heard. If it requires, you know, Michael and I have talked about this. There are risks involved. Getting people to, you know, stand and demand, protest, demand that the Department of Justice take action um, and let them know that we will stand for nothing less. So I, I, I want to go to some more Jesus, some more truths. Gabe has put them up here for me. But before that, I, uh, social media, uh, we're going to talk about social media here. Everyone follow the Midas Touch YouTube channel here. Um, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, like and share uh, this this hearing with your family and friends. We're going to be back in July or any other special type of hearings that they have that they urgently call. Uh, we'll be back with those hearings right here on the Midas Media Network. So be sure to follow the Midas Touch YouTube channel and, and go over and follow the Tony Michaels uh, podcast on YouTube as well. You can catch on Midas Touch, you can catch Legal AF, you can catch Michael's show here on the Midas Touch YouTube channel as well. So follow us and also all the great uh, React videos from Texas Paul. Um, so don't miss those on the Midas Touch YouTube channel. And do me a favor, go over to the Tony Michaels podcast and follow our channel as well. I want to bring up this other, here's another, He he's on a tirade here. I mean, he just can't stop. It's her body language is that of a total bull artist fantasy land. I, I have no idea what even what the hell that even means. Um, and then he says, "Will everybody? Will anybody ever be allowed to say that the election was rigged or stolen?" You keep yammering on about it, you chucklehead. Um, will the unselects ever discuss that our country is going to hell because of a fraudulent election? How about analyzing election results? This is all, uh, again, just complete, utter nonsense um, from the former guy himself. Gabe, what do you make of the you're, – you're, you're looking at true social uh, right now. And you're I'm, to- I'm listening to the panel, but in the, in the background, I'm following along. I, he just keeps posting, and I cannot keep up to make these graphics. But he, is, he said everything from what you just said as well as he has some additional ones where he said a total phony. He said, I never said Mike Pence deserves it to be hung. Another made up statement by third rate social climber, bad handwriting, that of a wacko question mark. 
why didn't they use the 10,000 troops that I offered on January 3rd? There would have been no January 6th. So he's, you know, he he's he's really he's doing those 3 a.m. rage posts where he sits on the shitter and he's just going at it. And right now I just can't keep up with them. But I mean, like looking at this, I just have to agree uh, with everything that people are saying is like he well, I think also in addition to that, he is going to um, he might even say something that he doesn't mean to say. He might admit to something that, you know, in his rage, he goes ahead and says just, you know, and hands up to someone that might be investigating him. I don't know. But uh, you know, it, it's, it really does tell you, we, we heard it during the testament. He tried to grab the wheel. He tried to choke the secret agent. He was throwing food against the wall. Donald Trump is a child. He is having a tantrum. And right now he is kicking and screaming in Mar-a-Lago upset because these truths have come out. And now he's trying to use truth social to truth himself out of the actual truth. So it's completely it's ridiculous. I mean, we do I, again. We have a child that was a that was a president. He is completely having a tantrum, and the guy is. He's it's like you can't he's you can't write this. No, like, she's terrified. Liz well, Cheney beat the shit out of him politically. She beat the living shit out of him politically, and he knows it. Well, I'll tell terrified. you. I'll tell you. Uh, Texas Paul probably knows this. Uh, growing up in in Texas, when you when you corner when you corner a, a rabid you know possum in a corner they are they are very angry and they start screaming and screeching and whacking their tail exactly and kissing at you right that's exactly what's happening he is trapped he's in a corner he knows he knows that he he has nowhere to go here um so he's lashing out and i know mm -hmm. michael probably knows this better than anybody yeah. so, tony, tony let me chime in on this one all right because there's two donald trumps here something that everybody has to understand there's the Donald Trump who has moments of clarity where he realizes that Liz Cheney, who is the daughter of the former vice president from 2001 to 2009 under George Bush. All right. Another Republican is the one that's leading the charge against him. So how is it a kangaroo court considering the committee is not even a court? as Texas Paul put it before. But then there's the other Donald Trump. And this Donald Trump, I hate to say, takes up most of the brain, whatever's there uh, in Donald Trump, whereby he's so myopic. If on Truth Social, people start responding back to him saying, yeah, Donald, you won. Yeah, Donald, you're the greatest. You're my Fuhrer, right? Um, you know, they stole the election from you. All of this said by... Um, you know, by, uh, you know, by the select the select committee and by all the witnesses is all a lie. What he does then is he focuses, laser focuses on that specific response back. And then that becomes the 100 percent denominator. It's a very sick and demented um, ish issue that goes on in between Donald's ears. So we got just a few minutes left. I want to give everyone one last chance to uh, make a statement about the testimony today, but also uh, going forward, what they maybe expect from the committees, as you heard Liz Cheney and Benny Thompson at the end of the hearing, kind of give a projection of what is going to happen in the hearings that we may, uh, th that we're going to have in July, maybe even sooner. We don't know. So I, I want to go around the, the table here. I'll start with uh, Karen. Karen, what is your, what is your opinion, your last thought of the hearing today and going forward what these hearings will bring. So, you know, it's just interesting that, that Donald Trump's tweet was, how come nobody's testifying about the fraud? Um, 
you know, about the stolen election, but, you know, it's very clear that um, everyone who could give that, you know, ridiculous uh, opinion has taken the fifth. So, you know, they, they won't, they, they can't say it because they know that's incriminating because there is no fraud. It wasn't stolen. And, um, and it's not the big lie. It's the big crime. So that's what these hearings, in my opinion, have shown is that this is the big crime. And I look forward to seeing the house of cards, uh, that is going to come down around him, uh, in the coming weeks and months with hopefully prosecution after prosecution after prosecution. And we're all going to look back at this horrible dark time in our life and, and, and move on. The other thing I just want to say is it's It's so clear that, that Cassidy Hutchinson got under his skin. He can't stop tweeting. Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize you know, it's just so easy to get under this man's skin. Anyway, those are my final thoughts. And thank, thank you, you all thank you, for Karen. Um, spending the day together. Jessica, Jessica, to you. Um, yeah, let me just bring it back to where we started today. You know, we've got a threat of fascism on two fronts. We've got, uh, you know, fascists trying to run the right wing and really minority rule this country. And then we've got um, impunity for fascists, which is what we witnessed again today. And we're about to go into, um, you know, week or so here, Independence Day. Um, the foundation of our country, you know, separation from a king, separation from um, church having rule over over people and, and the separation of church and state that's fundamental to our, our founding documents, our constitution, our freedom. Um, I just wanna remind everyone what, what a pivotal moment in history we are living through you and I, you've joined us on this network. This network, I know I'm so grateful to be included in, is all about our role, what we can do to make sure that democracy, democracy survives and does not become something that, um, you know, was a nice idea in history for a few hundred years. So um, I just want to leave everybody with that gravity. Like I said in the, in the open, I'm so grateful that we had this unexpected hearing today. And oh, my God, what a hearing it was. It was. It was. Paul, to you. Um Give us your last thoughts there, and then I'll go to Michael. Thank you, Michael Cohen, uh, for everything you've been through and everything that you brought out into the public light. Um, You were the start of the downhill slide for Donald Trump. Everything else, everything prior to then, all the crime and stuff that had been going on, everything had been going uphill for him. But it'll be a long haul, but you will see some, you will see him. In an orange jumpsuit, and I, I am truly grateful to you. My predictions are that Mike Flynn's in the, ends up committing suicide. Uh, Mark Meadows is going to prison. He is a bitch, um, and he today he everything that he kept his mouth shut for went out the window today. I mean, he's got nothing to offer. Cassidy Hutchinson put him in jail. There's no deal that he can make after this other than pointing the finger and say, he may be able to shave some time. God, that's caring about that. But um, Rudy Giuliani is done. He's done. He is going to prison. Uh, We haven't even gotten to the violence part yet. We know that there are more hearings coming where they're going to be uh, uh, talking about who coordinated with the Oath Keepers, who coordinated with um, the... uh, Proud Boys and the one A Praetorians that are so tight with Mike Flynn, um, yeah, Liz Cheney isn't done with Donald Trump by a damn sight, um, and he's going to burn. 
He is so going to burn. Well, I, I appreciate uh, the the words there, Paul. Everyone hears that Midas Mighty loves the the way Paul puts things. So thanks for joining us, Paul. Michael, what's your final thoughts here well, on first, the hearings, but the, but the hearings going forward as well? Yeah, so first let me thank Texas Paul for, you know, the kind words. So, yeah, I'll share just a personal, um, you know, it's very difficult to put into words the way the system, when it breaks you, it breaks you. Um, you know, I do what I do simply, you know, um, as redemption, I know that you know I am in part responsible for the creation of Frankenstein's monster, and my hope is that um, we're able to recage the beast before he destroys our democracy. I have children, and so on. I have you know uh, nieces, nephews. I have you know a pretty large family, and they deserve the democracy that we have come to know. And um, we need to change so much in this country, including the Supreme Court, with the way that they're running amok right now. But to touch on the hearing, so I do thank you for that. Uh, you know, I work on myself every day. I'm, you know, I, I put on the fun facade, but inside, you know, people who have done time will tell you, uh, you're broken inside and it takes a long time, if ever, you know, to become yourself again. Um, as it relates to the hearings, you know, yeah, I appreciate all the stuff that's come out from Cassidy, um, you know, from Engel, from Donahoe, from Rosen, from all of the witnesses. I only wish, like what I did, that they would have come out earlier and maybe none of this would even be relevant right now. Maybe there would have been a way to overturn Trump's decisions to put these three animals on the Supreme Court. There's so many things that I wish that they would have come out earlier with, uh, whether it's the first impeachment or the second, that would have been the right thing to do, not post-fact. Uh, I hate when that, when that happens. And I'm going to tell you my reason why. The bigger fear that we have to have is not Donald Trump rerunning for president. I've told everybody a long time now he's not running. The guy has more problems than anybody can even imagine. He deserves and hopefully he will be indicted. His company is going to go under, you know, He's not going to be running again. And he also cannot handle being a two-time loser. That's one of the things that is really keeping him away from the campaign trail. But what we all have to be concerned about, and you know, Midas uh, Touch is so on top of this, all of us that are on this panel you know, constantly talk about it. What happens with the next one, the Donald Trump 2.0, like a Ron DeSantis, who's smarter than Trump, that's for sure, who's probably better financed with, you know, um, with the Republican Party than Trump, you know, than Trump would be, um, and somebody who's potentially more devious and more disrespectful to the Constitution, hard to imagine, than Donald. That's the guy that we have to be worried about because Donald has now given him a playbook on how to overthrow the government, how to destroy our democracy, and how to basically, you know, um, tear up our constitution. So we all need to stay vigilant, keep doing what we're doing. Thanks to everybody that joined us today. You know, obviously take care of Midas if you can. Stay, stay with all of us. Um, you know, keep tuning in because there's so much more to come. I appreciate all of you being here and, and thank you for, for joining us. And I want to thank the audience again. Um, I hope that all of you come back. I, I want to give a few more shout outs uh, here as far as plugs. Again, follow the Midas Touch YouTube channel because you will not only find these hearings there, you will find the Midas Touch podcast. You will find Legal AF which Karen is a co-host on Wednesdays. You will find Maya Culpa with Michael Cohen. 
Uh, you'll find his podcast here as well. You'll find all the videos from Texas Paul. And also go follow Jessica Denson on Twitter. She is the Trump NDA killer. I know she's going to have a lot of stuff that she's going to be putting out uh, over the next several months about some of the cases that she is in at Jessica Denson. That's D-E-N-S-O-N-0-7, Jessica Denson 7 I really appreciate all of you joining us today and being with us and staying with us through the hearing. I know this has been one of the most groundbreaking ones we've had so far because it has some of the material in it that we've all been waiting for. We all we all felt like we knew this or we heard this or there's been reported on this. But now we have finally come to the moment where we see this evidence being spoken and being testified to. I want to tell you that I think these hearings coming up are uh, because Liz Cheney and Vinny Thompson pointed to this at the very end. And he was, they were very, uh, and, and they kept giving these little nuggets. Did you get did you notice that they give these little nuggets throughout the hearing and the upcoming hearings and the upcoming hearings and the upcoming hearings. It's almost like they have a producer doing this to, to tie you into these, these new episodes and to keep you viewing and to keep you seeing this evidence. So I implore you, I implore you, Follow Midas Touch YouTube channel and go over, uh, do me a favor and Gabe a favor and go over and follow our, our YouTube channel, the Tony Michaels podcast, but follow both of those, those YouTube channels, because we are going to follow these hearings wherever they may go. And we are also going to have our great panel of guests. Um, I want to thank David Bender is not here and Rachel Bittekoffer is not here. And I also want to thank the Mizellus brothers. Now, Ben joined us earlier. I know Brett and Jordy. Apparently, Jordy is working on stealing Texas Paul's cookies. And and, um, uh, Brett was out today. But I appreciate them as well with all the help. And I want everyone to thank Gabe Sanchez uh, for all the great graphics. I know. He's got he's he's got all these true socials that he that he was able to to wrestle up uh, till the very end. Even though and we there's Great probably level. a thousand more where that came yeah there, from there, there's definitely more coming. But yeah, so thank you very much to the Midas Mighty for joining us for this hearing. Don't forget to join us for all the other hearings, but also don't forget to subscribe and click the bell notification for all the notifications for all the great videos that will come out. Uh, thank you, panel, for joining us. Gabe, uh, stick around here. I want to I want to ask you about this true social real quick. Thank you, thank you all to all our guests. Thank you very much. See you guys later. Uh, Gabe, so let's let's go back real quick to the. Yeah, um, that's not even all of them either. I've got a total of twelve, but I. I stopped. I just stopped making the graphics after a moment. It was just, uh, I, they are insane because they're either just like statements like bad handwriting, that of a wacko. Like, what is he a total phony? I mean, I'm personally a big fan of the, I never said Mike Pence deserves to be hung in parentheses, another made up statement by a third rate social climber. Like, I think, you know, there's a lot of projection happening here where, he knows he did something wrong, clearly, because he did it. But and also in his mind, he might not even think that he was in the wrong. Like he wasn't in the wrong to try to choke out a surface, a secret service agent. Right. Like he wasn't in the wrong to fling food across the, the the room. Like in what world do we live in where the sitting president is trying to physically assault the people that are trying to protect him? And he's trying to make a mess of things in the Oval Office. Again, he's just a to- like he he's a kid having a tantrum. Wanting to go to fucking bizarro world, Disney world. Right. And the parents are like, no, you know what? We're turning the car around and we're going home. And that is the Oval Office. And he just doesn't want to, doesn't want to have it. Doesn't, doesn't well, want to be. 
He's just, convict 45. He's convict 45 or convict 45. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you can I convict want, 45 to become convict 45. There, there is there a transfer go. of the title. Meaning. Well, well, I, I want to give one last shout out for for Jordy. He was um, wanting this this uh, promo code justice. If you go to store.minusdutch.com, use the promo code justice, get 10% off. I think there's only just a handful of these uh, enamel pens left or mm-hmm. union made in the USA. Rather, it's convict 45 or convict 45. Go get it now. Supplies are very, very limited if they're not out already. So run over to store.mindestouch.com. Use the promo code justice. Get 10% off, not just the pen, but the, the entire store over there at store.mindestouch.com. Uh, Gabe, I, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, these other hearings as yeah. Benny Thompson and, and <laughs> Liz Cheney give these sprinkles of evidence throughout. And what a, what a, what a fantastic. I mean, uh, like you said, they're doing a good job, you know, the through uh, producer kind of guidance to say, you know, next week on the shit show, that is the January 6th, Mm -hmm. you know, riot. And it's like previously on the shit show, that was the January 6th riot or just the Trump administration in the final days. Like either way you want to look at it, they are doing a very good job of saying next week, expect this last week. Like, I think they're even doing recaps now where they're doing snippets uh, to kind of give you a, a refresher of the you know two to three hour segment that they that they are in the hearings to say okay this is what you missed last week now get ready for the next reveal the next bombshell and I mean today was certainly a you know what we've heard through rumors or hearsay here in the background kind of like oh he was doing this or he was doing that but now we're actually getting firsthand. Uh, eyewitness testimony of someone that is Cassidy Hutchinson to say, right. yeah, in I the was room, in the room with Trump right? I was during the, the January 6th, because right. I think that's the most important part is the testimony today was just, just, just the fact that we are, that we are seeing exactly what happened during that time period right. when their siege was laid on the Capitol. So again, folks do not forget to subscribe here on YouTube to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Also go over to the Tony Michaels podcast and subscribe over there. Uh, You can download all of the Midas Touch podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, whether it be the Midas Touch podcast, Legal AF, Maya Culpa, uh, Kremlin File, or if you just want to see, I think they have a new one. They have a new podcast. It's called The Mighty. They're they're releasing this thing every day. Every day. I I know. I need to I need to see if we can uh, figure out uh, exactly what this is so we can properly promote it here. But I, I see right. this mighty and uh, apparently it's it's it seemed like popular. this weekend uh, this weekend was like kind of the premiere of the yeah. mighty. Yeah. So go uh, check that yeah. out. Go check that out on all the directories. Um, the mighty. Um, and again, follow follow on YouTube because we're going to have more of these hearings. And I think they're going to be more and more groundbreaking as we mm-hmm. go along here. So everyone stay tuned uh, to the Midas Media Network. Thanks for joining us today day on this Tuesday, June 28th for the special urgent day six, I guess it would be called. Yeah, it's an urgent it, and boy emergency. You know, did it stop not, the press. It did not disappoint. It yep. did not disappoint. So thank you and good day. You've been listening to the Tony Michaels podcast. podcast in your face commentary of current events and political news. No rules, no boundaries. I think we've made that perfectly clear. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, follow Tony on social media at the Tony Michaels. And until next time, raise a fist and repeat after me. Fuck them.
Murphy's Mule Barn, head ass speaking.